Hey Who fans and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 186. Six. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kidneys? I don't like the colour. Howdy, howdy, do who fans? Welcome to 186. Hope you've all had a cracking week and that you've managed to do something Doctor Who related. Coming up in today's show, we've got one piece of news at last. Hey! Hey! Good news or bad news? It's good news. Okay. Yeah, I would say so. Mm-hmm. It's good news, very good news. And then we've got some merch to go through. So the uh, the barren wasteland of news has got a little <laughs> mirage pop-up just in the yeah. middle that we can latch onto. And actually a little tell you nugget. Something. Yeah, a little, a little nugget. nugget of news, yeah. <laughs> How have you been, my good friend, this last week? Not bad. Yes, I've done a couple of Doctor Who related things. Spill. Um, I've uh, been up to uh, the big smoke, as we call it here in the UK. <laughs> London. Why do we call it the big smoke? Been up to London and uh, met with one of our listeners, one of our long-time listeners, uh, Sammy Satine. See me. Um, see all me. the way from Oz. She came over, especially to see me. No, no, she didn't, but she came over visiting. So we um, we hooked up and went to FP, of course, because where else would I take a long-term listener than, than Forbidden yeah. Planet? And I had a nice little um, nice little time in there, bought a few bits. Um, absolutely shocked to see, you know, the new Target novels? Oh, yeah. Got yeah. two Target novels. Um, they only had one, uh, like, uh, I think they released five different ones, didn't they? Yes. And they had one on the shelf, they had about 10 copies of it. And it was Rose. I thought, oh, they've got Rose in stock. And as I got closer, I was like, hang on a minute. They're all signed by Russell. I can't believe it. So I picked up a, a signed Russell T. Davis copy of um, of Rose, which I was, I, I literally couldn't believe my eyes. I was thinking, wow. I can't believe it. Because did, they did a signing there, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and obviously he was the only one that signed enough because they didn't have any of the others. So okay. that was pretty that was pretty cool i think sammy got one as well actually yeah she did because we were looking through all of them because all the signatures were a little bit different <laughs> and in fact uh, some of them had just written rtdx and then other ones he'd sort of written russell and a t and davis and and a kiss and we, so we were going through them like right i've got to pick a good one. i was thinking i bet this is just like somebody in the shop's probably done these in the back room <laughs> you know oh, R- russell rtd um so that was cool um what else did we get Oh, I don't know, a few little bits. And then we had a look around, so that was all nice. Um, and then back home, uh, Series 9 soundtrack plopped through the letterbox. Oh, um, no. Oh, no. Caused chaos. Yeah. Uh, did you buy the physical thing? No. 
You did. I didn't because no. you're digital only, aren't you? So have you no. actually got the actual soundtrack? Have you bought the digital yet? No, but it's on, it's on Spotify, so that's cool. It's on Spotify, yeah. so you listen. Yeah, you listen to it. Yeah. It's it's not bad. It's it's funny because I I woke mm. up and I I got mine from Amazon um, for the simple reason that they they give you the auto rip, so you get the digital version for free, and I quite like that because you've. The, you know, the second it's released, it comes into my account. Have, I like, and then the physical thing will turn up a couple of days later. So I've got the best of both worlds. I mean, I can listen to it while I'm waiting for it. And it's a bit like the big finish thing. I love it when you get the, the, the <laughs> digital download free. So, you know, I, I thought I'll get it from Amazon to get that. So yeah, Friday morning, I wake up, it's in the account and I'm, I'm listening to it. I'm thinking, yeah, this is, you know, this is good. I like it. It's nice. Um, and then, cause it's quite a long soundtrack. It's like is it three discs or four? It's four, isn't it? Um, hmm. It does get a bit boring. And I, I just kept thinking back to like, you know, the Series 1 soundtrack and, and also the Series 4 soundtrack. They've got real standout tracks for me. Yes. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, you know, like the Rose's theme and and, and also, um, what's the Gallifrey? Is it, this is Gallifrey. This is Gallifrey. Yeah. Validation. Donna's theme. It's yeah. loads of good ones, yeah. It's amazing stuff. And I was thinking, this is a very nice sort of background music soundtrack, but there's really nothing jumping out at me on this I one. know what you mean, yeah. And I, I, to be fair, I've only listened to it, I've given it a sort of a playthrough twice, so maybe, uh, you know, over-listens more will jump out at me. But yeah, I don't know. I did kind of feel like, you know, sometimes when we're reviewing, <laughs> we say, <laughs> yeah, Murray kind of going through the motions a bit this week uh, with the music. I was, I was getting that vibe. I was thinking, yes, it's all, yep. it's all nice. It's all good. Just nothing jumping out at me. But anyway, as I said, I might change my mind as I listen to it a bit more. Um, but yeah, I know what you're, you, you gasped when I said series nine, cause obviously I wasn't a very happy chap this week because <laughs> I, when I ordered it, it was supposed to come as a limited edition, which come with a sort of slip case and a separate booklet with all Stuart Manning's posters yes. uh, in it, which are gorgeous, aren't they? We they both are. love yeah. Stuart Manning's. I got back from work and the parcel was there waiting for me. I was like, oh, excellent. I opened it, out plops like the standard edition, no slip case, no limited booklet. And I was, and I was furious, <laughs> absolutely furious. I was like, oh, blimmin' heck, Amazon. Oh, for goodness sake. So I got on some. Anyway, to cut to the chase, it seems this has happened to everybody <laughs> pretty right. much that's ordered it from Amazon. Anywhere else, like all the shops, like in H&V, they had about 10 copies on the shelf. They're all the limited one. Um, everywhere else has got the limited. But to be fair, I can't really lay this all at Amazon's feet because really it's silver screen, you know, isn't it? Because they produce, they're, they're the supplier. And for whatever reason, they chose to give everybody but Amazon the limited one. And I was thinking, Strange. that's a bit annoying. Mm. Um, and yeah, so they've sort of got into a bit of a Twitter debacle uh, with, you know, with Silver Screen saying, you know, why didn't you give Amazon the limited one? They, that was the picture they were given. Right. Okay. So when you order from Amazon, you assume you're going to get the one on the picture, right? You assume you're going to get the limited one. So yeah, it all turned a bit, bit thing. And Amazon have actually withdrawn it now. They've obviously had so many people send it back because a lot of people were tweeting me saying, oh, no. Mine's just arrived from Amazon and it's not the limited. And it said it would be the limited. And we were all saying, yeah, I know, get onto Silver Screen. They didn't give them any. And and, and Silver Screen said they gave them some. <laughs> Probably right. gave them one. So, yeah, so that was a bit disappointing. But anyway, long story short, it seems like Amazon have taken it off until they get it resolved with Silver Screen. And, um, and there's loads in the shop. So if you do want the limited one, just go to your local H&V or whatever. They, they all seem to have the limited one. And it is so much nicer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same price. <laughs> so, you know, it's worth getting. Uh, and it's not a bad sound. It's ni- nice to have Series 9 at last. 
well. it's okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I listened to it on the. Um, I think they loaded it on Spotify day before yesterday. So when that popped up, I was like, "Ooh, cool! I'll add that to the the current Doctor Who uh, library that I've got on there." Yeah, actually, is, it's funny. Yeah, I was just gonna say the other thing I should say. The other reason I didn't get it from Silver Screen is because they were charging seven pounds postage. Still, yeah. Uh, yep. On top of the full price, so you know, like obviously Amazon HV, they discount it. I think it was like thirty ninety nine, um, and I can't remember how much it is on silver screen, but a seven pound postage for a CD. And I was thinking, I'm not going to pay that. That's that's ridiculous, you know. And um, I've just seen one of my friends today who did pay that just because he wanted to make sure he got the limited one, and it's arrived in a jiffy bag, and it's all dented and broken. And he said, you know, he's going mad. He's like, you told me to order this from you because it's the only way to guarantee getting the limited, mm-hmm. and it's arrived like this, and I've paid seven pounds. And he's, yeah, he's really unhappy. So Don't doesn't look, yeah, yeah, doesn't, yeah. So it's such a shame because it's been such a long wait for this soundtrack, hasn't it? <laughs> We've waited blimmin' ages for Series Nine, and it's just it's taken the edge off for me, if you know what I mean. I'm so excited about it, and it's just ever since it's arrived, I've been like nothing but just, nothing but annoyed with it. I know, mate. Yeah. yeah, I think that yeah, that's one of the reasons why I didn't order this physically. Yeah, really, is because, um, yeah, I mean that whole seven pound postage from Ridiculous. from Silver Screen is it, it, it is a little bit much. I mean, I can't believe that it weighs enough to warrant seven pounds worth of. Go and check out. I will retweet Phil's tweet showing you how it arrives. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's from someone who paid it, and you you just will be shocked. Yeah, I'll, I'll retweet it so everyone can see. Unbelievable. Yeah. And also for me. It's only the first two discs that I would kind of listen to the most because disc three is just heaven sent, which gets a bit boring after a little while. Oh my God. Everyone's yeah. been like banging on about how good the heaven sent. Well, and I'm thinking, I don't know if they're, I'm listening to what am I hearing? I'm the same, mate. Yeah. Cause it's got this sort of accordion-y sound throughout it. And it, I find it really irritating. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I know It's not an accordion. Yeah. I don't know what the instrument is, but it's like this harsh yeah. sounding instrument and it's I, I think it's horrible and it yeah. keeps coming in and i'm like oh you know <laughs> it starts probably... off okay though it starts oh, yeah. off okay it's um but then sort of halfway through it just gets a bit samey really a bit mundane and yeah, it picks it up does, again at the end yeah. but and then disc four is just all of the husbands of river song christmas special <laughs> uh, and that's just again it's it's <sighs> okay don't get me wrong murray's music is is beautiful <sighs> you know but it, it i don't know so overall, it's not. But then we should have no, we should know this already because series nine's not exactly. I know it didn't exactly set the world on fire, did it? Let's I be just honest. Test that episode, just Husbands of the Song. <laughs> I must admit, even listening to the music from it, I I don't. Yeah, I I detest it. Um, yeah, I must admit, I hope we do get a series ten though, because yes, although although it's still Murray pulling out a few of his sort of tropes, I do remember, and I'm sure we said this, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure he did start to mix it up a little with Series 10, he didn't did. he? yes. I remember yeah. a few more electronic bits creeping mm-hmm. in that we liked and stuff like that, and because of and Bill's theme was lovely, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Re- really liked Bill's theme. So I hope we do get one. I've heard that we're not going to because apparently he's no longer associated with Dot 2, which means he, he won't be involved in the soundtracks. But... I hope that's not true. I hope that's just a rumour because it'd be really sad if we jump, you know, if they release a soundtrack to Series 11 and we don't get a Series 10. That would be just weird. Yeah. Well, um, well, I mean, Series 10 will be owned by 
the BBC and stuff. Yeah. So it won't be down to Murray Gold whether that's released or not. Because no, I think what it is is because apparently he has the say on what tracks go on it, and he's like quite heavily involved in in oh, the see. sort of right. in in what actually gets released. So apparently that's again, this is all stuff I've read. Who knows if it's true? But apparently that's why Series Nine took so long because he's been off having <laughs> having a baby with his wife and didn't have time to sort of do it, and he finally sort of found time to put it together and and all, all this sort of stuff i don't know i don't know how much this is true but that's okay. what i heard he's quite heavily involved in the sort of like what goes on it so it's kind of down to him but i, I don't know we'll see hopefully we'll get it yeah before the year 2030 would be nice yeah i'm, I'm up for the series 10 soundtrack Sound definitely me, yeah. a lot more than series 9 i think series 9's just it had some good moments you know but the soundtrack kind of mimics the quality of series nine, really. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of, it, it kicks off into a decent gear and it's not too bad, but then, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. I could hear lots of Clara moments in it as well, which annoyed yeah. me because I was thinking you know, her little theme keeps creeping in and all the Ashilda stuff. And I was thinking, just like you said, because we're not really fans of series nine. I was sort of thinking, yeah, actually, all this soundtrack's doing is reminding me of episodes I don't really like. <laughs> you know, it. even though the yeah. music's all right, yeah. Uh, and also so, the um, the the artwork on the front as well is not really doing it for me either. It's weird because it's got the they've they've switched over to the brand new logo. Which oh, you and the logo? No, yeah. I was, was going to say I'm not going to oh. mention that really. That's just <laughs> you know my thoughts on that. But they've got this kind of weird thing at the bottom behind series nine is kind of light leak effect which almost mimics the shape of series the series one to four logo in a way mm-hmm. uh and yeah and it's just got the same old you know what you'd expect you know the doctor and clara running away from an explosion of some sort yeah uh but yeah it's um i would have much preferred a, a, a different cover than that but there we go we could you know, not going to complain too much because it's finally here. We've asked for it for so long. I know we've asked for it. Yeah. Yeah. I really don't want to be those people. You know, when <laughs> we're basically British weather people where we ask for hot weather for so long and when it's here, we complain it's too hot. So I don't want yeah. to be like that, but you know, yeah. Who, who fans are never happy, are they? No, that's true. Right. So that's what I've been doing, mate. Um, been, been, uh, yeah, been being grouchy all week because of that. And also that we've had beautiful sunshine and today, is pouring with rain as we record so maybe that's affected my mood i don't know but um so that's me mate what have you been doing uh yeah i've not been out and about like you have but i have dived into a little bit of who so uh i grabbed the old um mccoy special edition box set out again the other night lovely yeah i just can't seem to put it down it's just so Mm -hmm. nice so i tweeted out i've got loads of people like watch this one watch this one so Mm. the vote came in and it was greatest show they yes. got watched out of that set. Was very happy with that. Uh, I also picked up uh, some more big finish. So I've listened to the first story or the first disc, if you get the physical one of the new Torchwood Believe story. Oh, really? Yeah. Is and, that good? Uh, I tell you, mate. Yeah, that's cracking so far. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've heard very good things. Yeah, about really that. good. Yeah, I've, mm. I think it's the first. Well, one of the few times where I've listened to an audio story. And I've actually been kind of disturbed almost, um, you, you know, because Torchwood is fairly adult. Yeah. But that adultness doesn't really come through that much with Big Finish. They kind of tone that down fairly. It's not like it was on the on the TV show. But I tell you what, mate, there's a few scenes in this one where I thought, crikey, Moses. 
This is, is a it? bit strong. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Oh, right. So it's one of the few times when I've listened to an audio story from Big Finish and I've actually thought, oh, blimey, do they need an age rating on this or what? Or, <laughs> um, but overall, it's a really good story. And uh, the cast are doing very well as well. And I haven't got to disc two yet, but I think Rory's in it. Oh, really? Yeah, I think Arthur Darville's... Uh, because I've seen a few tweets saying, ah. you'll never look at Rory in the same way. All right. And uh, I checked... Uh, I think he's on anyway. I checked the... Um, I checked the cast listing, and I'm pretty sure he's on it. So, yes. Now that's cool because we were saying last week after our review that Arthur Darville was was great in hmm. Good Man Goes to War, one of the best things in it actually. So, yes. has he done much big finish? I'm not sure. Let's have a look. Oh, he is in it. He is in it, hmm. but he's not playing Rory. Oh. Ah, okay. That'd be by them. Okay. Yes, he's playing a different character, but Arthur Darville does star in it. Mm. Yes. Actually, I know he's done some of the Dark Shadows. Mm. He did a dark, so yeah, he's probably he's a bit involved in in Big Finish. Yeah, yeah. But it's good to have all the cast in it, though. That's cool. So um, all of the main cast that we know from Series One. So um, obviously Captain Jack, Yanto, Gwen, Tosh, Owen, they're all there. Yeah. So that's really cool. If you haven't picked, I think I could be wrong, but I think it's still on the web special price. At the moment. Yeah, I think they normally keep it going to the end of the month or, or maybe a month after. I can't remember now. Yeah, but... something like that. Mm. So obviously I picked up the digital version. It's just 20 quid. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think the CD is 23. So I would recommend this one mm. so far. I've only listened to the first the first disc, if you like. Um, and there's three discs. But yeah, it's good. Yeah, cool. I was having a bit of a chat about Big Finish with um, one of our listeners, actually. Because I was, we were saying it's strange they've never done the Peyton Oster gang because that was the sort of yes. spin-off everyone yeah. expected on the TV and that never happened. And I was thinking that seems ideal for Big Finish. But, uh, and again, we don't know the sort of ins and outs of this, but apparently they, they, they can't use them. And I was like, well, surely that can't be right because the BBC must own the... But it's something to do with, I think, a spin-off started to get into sort of early stages of being planned. Right. <laughs> Didn't happen. And then... So those sort of, I don't know, that sort of tangled up things for future spin-offs or something. I'm not sure, but okay. it does seem odd because that seems like the perfect spin-off for Big Finish, doesn't it? Does. it? Those, yeah. those three. And um, so there must be a reason they haven't done it so far. But yeah, they've done Jago Lightfoot and Strax, haven't they? Which you really liked. Remember you said that was quite good. That's good, actually. That one, yeah, yeah. The Haunting. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird because, yeah, so Strax is obviously popped up in Big Finish. Have the other two with Vastra and Jenny uh, popped up in any Big Finish stories? Ooh. I can't remember. My my gut feeling is they have, but I can't think of any. So maybe they haven't. <laughs> maybe I just think they have, if you if you know what I mean. Yeah, I can't think of any with them in, but I'm sure anybody listening out there will probably know. Uh, uh, actually, yeah. Hold on. So Vastra was in the Churchill years. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, so she was in that um, I don't think Jenny was in that one. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Listeners would tell us, but I don't think Jenny's. But so Vashra's definitely there. Yeah. So I think potentially individually they've been on Big Finish. So why they can't group them together is beyond me. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Because they're all properties and you know part of the BBC, you know IP as it were for mm. Doctor Who. So 
I don't know. Who knows what goes on behind the world of? Who knows? I expect it. We'll, let's yeah. blame them off. We blame him for everything else. <laughs> I just yeah. got. You remember when like Barrowman <laughs> wanted to bring back Torchwood and he, he he mouthed off at that convention. It's it's the Moffat <laughs> standing in the way, and then there's a bit of a sort of oh, stand no, opportunity. Yeah. yeah. So let's just blame him off. <laughs> he's used to it. He doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's yeah. He's not doing much at the minute, so. No. Load it on him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. John Barrowman's put some cool pics on, actually. I think he was over at a convention in Australia somewhere the oh, last yeah. week, yeah. And it uh, looks like he's had a great time over there with plenty of Who fans and whatever else he's in. I think he's in that... Is he still in that Arrow series? I, I don't, I don't watch like it. That. Yeah. Is that, the, is that the convention where I saw some pictures of um, Peter Capaldi, Pearl Mackey, being driven around in Bessie. Um, yes, I think it was over. In, I think it might have been yeah. the same one because I was like, "What the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a crazy life!" I was just because I was thinking that's crazy because only <laughs> the other week I was meeting Pearl in the you know in the rain in London outside the theatre, yeah. and now she's like over in Oz doing a convention in the glorious. You know what a life they Showbiz, lead. Showbiz, eh? Showbiz. One week yeah. you're snapping at fans outside the theatre. <laughs> yeah. The next week you're all smiles in the sun in Australia. It's just. Yeah. It is. What a life, eh? It's crazy. I'll tell you what, though, Capaldi, <laughs> and you said this, Capaldi looks so much. Um, you remember how tired he looked at the end of Series 10? Oh, we were saying, crikey. God, he looked yeah. knackered. Um, I saw a picture on the other day, and I was like, God, he's glowing. He looks absolutely, he looks totally refreshed. Yeah, he does. Like, yeah. you know, the stress of the Doctor Who schedule has, has well and truly been lifted from his shoulders. He looks so much healthier than the picture I saw the other day. Actually, funny you mentioned that. I, I read something the other day. I think he was interviewed recently, either on radio somewhere. Might have been on in on Australia, Australian radio, or or in an article somewhere. I can't remember, but recently he was interviewed, mm-hmm. and he gave a little bit more detail about his departure and so on. And that's basically the reason why he left, because he said that being at the centre of that brand, he didn't even mention it as a TV show. He just said being mm-hmm. at the centre of it all. Yeah, he, he said is just draining beyond belief. Um, and he said he just, he didn't say this like explicitly, but you could read between the lines where he essentially mm-hmm. said that he just couldn't go on anymore Yeah, with the schedule. And, you know, the, the, I think the recording schedule is very intense and quite grueling, I should imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And then on top of that, you've got everything else that you're expected to do as the star of Doctor Who. You've got yeah. endless interviews and appearances and, you know, additional audio work to do and just so much stuff he basically said he'd burnt out he couldn't go on anymore yeah when, when i saw him with that series 10 preview he looked absolutely shattered bless him i mean you could just see it in his face he was really trying to yeah. you know be fun in the interview but you could just see he he just needed a good night's sleep That's uh, it. Yeah. but yeah he does he looks so much more refreshed now yeah and a lot of actors they kind of especially actors who are sort of busy and, you know, not out of the limelight. They tend to go from one job to another. So if you look at David Tennant or even Eccleston and those guys, Matt Smith, mm. they, they go from one show and one thing quite quickly because they, yeah. you know, keep working. But Capaldi said that when he finished Doctor Who, he had to just do nothing. You know, he, he stopped everything because mm. he had to recuperate and get himself back on track and spend time with his wife who he hadn't seen yeah. you know, very much. So he just spent like three or four months, he said doing absolutely nothing just getting up going for breakfast reading the paper having a walk and just doing like normal person stuff yeah for so i i feel for him because you know 
Like we, we said numerous times towards the end of his run that he just looked like absolute beep, didn't he? He did. He looked shattered, yeah. mate. Yeah. I bet that first day of like waking up and not having to go to work, I bet that was such a relief. I bet he just yeah. woke, I bet he just laid in bed for like the whole day, just like, oh, yeah. yeah, that must have been so nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that Jody, uh, Jody can work out some kind of decent, Ooh. you know, schedule. I, I mean, I, I think it really does depend on the support of your your better half or your family if you're going to take on a role like the doctor yeah um because if we think back to like david tennant and matt smith they were sort of young single guys at the time when they did it so they had no Mm. ties and responsibilities they could go and shoot for months on end and not really have to be home you know for dinner on the table as it you Mm. know i don't know if i'm making sense but i know what you you know those guys sort of had a young single free life for the most Mm. part that we know of anyway um, so it wasn't much of a burden, but for someone like Capaldi, who's, you know, an older gentleman, you know, not quite as sprightly as, as they were when they were taking on the role with a wife and other stuff. So let's hope Jody can not look like, you know, she's 20 years older than what she actually is <laughs> once she's done a couple of series. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So anyways, that's all that gumph. Yeah. Should we land it? Go on then, see, see what the news is. Do you like going to the cinema? Adam? I do, I do. Do you like going to the pictures? <laughs> I do. I do too. I like going to the cinema even more when there's Doctor Who on at the cinema. Yes. Yay. So Doctor Who is back at the cinema. <laughs> Yay. In the US. Oh. oh. But that's still cool, though. It is cool. Because our US fans can get to uh, watch some, some Doctor Who. And not only is Doctor Who coming to the cinema, but it's a belter of a classic story. Mm. Genesis of the Daleks. <laughs> Mr. Tom Baker is going to be... Uh, He's going to be at a special uh, showing uh, at the uh, a, a, a range of US cinemas. I don't know the exact details. It's run by a company that we've mentioned a quite a few times called Fathom Events. They're mm. the guys that normally do these special screenings and so on. And it's going to be on the 11th of June. And it's to sort of coincide with the Blu-ray release of Tom Baker's Series 12 set that's going to be out um, at some point. And uh, they've not, they're not doing it in just a single cinema. They've got, like I said, a, a deal with loads of different cinemas across the US. I had a very quick look earlier, um, and there's quite a few in most of the big US cities. I'd had a look in New York. There's three different cinemas showing it all at mm-hmm. seven o'clock on the 11th of June. Um, yeah, prices are whatever you want to pay, really. Um, I looked at a fairly decent cinema in in New York and the, the ticket price was $13, which is about eight quid, nine quid, which is very good because cinema mm. prices here, it's about 11, 12 pounds yeah. for a ticket, which is nearer $20. So yeah. what do you reckon mate? Genesis in the cinema. I, I, I think it's great. Um, I gotta say they, they're calling it a director's cut as well, which uh, initially I was like, huh, what does that mean? Um, <clears throat> but basically it's the 90 minute, 
uh, version that was, I think, sort of, it's basically edited, the episode's edited together. So not, director's cut always makes me think it's going to have extra scenes in. I was thinking, have they discovered some new footage of the clam? Uh, but uh, no, it's just um, it's just a 90-minute uh, condensed version. But it's still very cool. Um, and also they're going to have... Um, a the first look at the conversation with Tom Baker, which is the newly recorded interview with him, uh, which sounds really cool. Mm. As we know, having seen the little um, bits that Tom did for the Sharda BFI event we went to, yeah. Tom's just so funny in interviews, and he's also <laughs> fascinating, and he's just everything you'd imagine him to be. So that's going to be cool. I'm really looking forward to watching that when it comes out on the Blu-ray. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, you know what we're going to say. It would be lovely if they did something like this here. I would. I'd love to see BFI pick this up. I'd love BFI to do uh, a screening of this. I think that would be fantastic, especially if Tom was there. But. Um, but I don't know. That's just wishful thinking at the minute. It's, you know, it's just our US buddies. But yeah, I'd love to see Genesis on the big screen though, mate. I think it would it would be amazing. It would be awesome. Yeah. Mm. Yes, would, yeah. I would. You know, Davros. Didn't you? Davros yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So I'm really happy about that. Like mm. I said before, any time that we can get cinema, uh, it, it gets cinema. Any time we can get Doctor Who out into the cinema and more eyes on it, the better. Mm. And, uh, you can't go wrong, really, with watching Tom in any story in the cinema. Because when we watched Sharder, it was just a joy to watch that. Oh, it was. And, I, and I'm just looking forward to seeing how much they've managed to do in terms of restoration. Yeah. Like, you know, like, because we're talking something that's made in 1975, was something it? Something like that, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the, the source material they're working with is... Uh, <laughs> it's not ideal for Blu-ray, but obviously they feel they've, you know, can do it to a certain grade. So I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing how good it looks and hmm. and whatever and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, no technical details yet on how they've presented these on Blu-ray. So no. yeah, I'm always quite intrigued for these things, these old series that get shoved onto Blu-ray. So we'll have to see. I just hope yeah. that Mark Ayres is working on the audio restoration because he does amazing work. I mean, the stuff he did with um, Power of the Daleks, God, that sounded amazing, mm -hmm. um, how he managed to clean up that soundtrack. Um, so, yeah, hopefully they've got him working on it because he <laughs> is a musical genius when it comes to restoration. It's, uh, yeah, but, yeah, that's, that's very cool. So, our US listeners, get yourself along to that because that's going to be cool. Indeedy. Yes. Right, should we get our metal friend in, see what oh, he's got? Yeah, see what he's got. Match corner. Match corner. Match corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Eagle Moss. Yes. <laughs> Famous for producing their collectible figurines and magazines of which i have hundreds yes. yeah. <laughs> how often do they come out these days is it monthly i think it's fortnightly oh, fortnightly is it mm. okay well for the first time i think they are expanding their reach from not just figures of people or aliens from the world of doctor who but you'll soon be able to get one of the consoles from the TARDIS. The TARDIS. Yes. So another Tom Baker thing. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yes, yeah, Tom's console. It's Tom's year, isn't it? Mm. It's definitely Tom Baker's year. Yes. For 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 classic who. Um, 
yeah, but anyway, Eagle Moss are bringing out the fourth Doctor's console, uh, which has been faithfully finished with all the screens, controls, switches, and everything that you saw on the telly. Mm. And is in scale with the rest of the Eagle Moss collection, so it won't look out of place next to your existing figures. Oh, God, it's going to be tiny then. It will be very small, yeah. And apparently oh. it's made from a high-quality poly resin with a removable plastic column in the center. Oh, yeah. Why would you want to remove it? Uh, in case you want to do a few repairs on it. Yeah, if you need to get to the the, the intricate wiring underneath. <laughs> in case uh, it's not going up and down. <laughs> so, um, you can pre-order it from ForbiddenPlanet.com. It is mm. out not until December this year. And you can bag it for $18.99. I'm assuming you can buy it from the Eagle Moss website direct as well. Mm-hmm. But there's no details of it there at the moment. I assume you're going to get this one, buddy. Well, I love anything to do with the TARDIS console. Um, and I'm very excited about these, actually, because, as I said, I do buy a lot of the Eagle Moss stuff. Um, they're a bit like... They do vary in quality. Um, some of their figures, I think, look brilliant. And then some weeks, I think... you know, I pick and choose them, basically. I don't subscribe to it. So I, I buy the ones that I think look good. And some of them have been great. They, they did a war machine recently that was fantastic. I mean, they absolutely nailed it. Um, and and then other times I look at them and I think, well, that looks absolutely nothing. Like, I'm trying to think of an example, but they're not always great. But most of the time, they, they are pretty decent. Um, so this is going to be a series, I believe. I think they're going to do like all the consoles. And this yes. is like the first one. Yep. And they kind of put the feelers out first to see if this was something people wanted. Um, they did like this uh poll on their website yeah so i'm glad that i'm glad that they're going ahead with it um me personally i i yeah i love the sound of this it's right up my street um i'll probably get i mean if they do like the fifth doctor's console i mean that'd be i'd love it i'd absolutely love it so yeah i'm i'm quite excited about this i hope the detail's good they've got a little mock-up image of um of tom's console and uh, it looks decent i just don't know how you know i hope the actual thing looks good because they've obviously spent ages mm. painting this and this is the other thing with eagle moss sometimes you have to get it from the shop because my goodness if you order them online you take a you take a, a punt with how mm-hmm. the paint job is on it like my david bradley first doctor <laughs> he looks like someone's thrown mud in his face the paint apps are dreadful <laughs> Uh, and yet we saw some in, in Forbidden Planet the other week and, you know, they looked really good. So sometimes it's good if you can actually find these in a shop, but I know that's not always easy. Smiths used to do them, but they, I don't think they tend to get them now. No, so no. it's normally like FP. Um, but yes, me, mate, I, 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 as you can probably tell, I'm actually pretty excited for these. Um, not till December, though. Blimey. Yeah, well, there's conflicting information on that. Um, yeah. There's, there's plenty of... Um, of info that have come through, not just from Forbidden Planet, but um, that say that July is when it's going to land. But Ah. I would probably say that is more likely. I think if they've already got this mock-up worked up and it looks pretty good already, that it won't be the end of the year. Um, I think that's just Forbidden Planet being Forbidden Planet. Yeah. (laughs) So they normally, you know, if if Forbidden Planet are not really sure on the, the confirmed date, they'll add like five years on it and you know, just to play it safe so that I don't get complaints. Um, but I would probably say that the July date is uh, is more accurate than December, but it, don't it quote us be, on that. Yeah, it could be Eagle back covering their backs because they're, 
from personal experience that Egon Moss customer service is, is horrific. Um, and I know I'll give you an example with the wall machines. Um, I got mine from Forbidden Planet. and I had it uh, nearly two months before people who had subscribed <laughs> to actual Egon Moss, you know, they were sort of saying, hang on a minute, where's ours? You've supplied like suppliers, but you haven't sent out the subscribers were and they are a bit of a nightmare when it comes to uh, and i and i've experienced this a few times week. i i literally won't order direct from them um because of the experiences i've had from them i'm sorry to say because i actually really quite like their products but i i tend to always get them from fp but um so it could just be that they're maybe they've thought right hang on a minute we don't want another situation maybe we'll yeah do the subscribers in you know july and then we'll give them a really long date so we can do some more and i don't know but whenever it comes out i'll, I'll definitely be getting one yeah i'll pick this one up i like it yeah, yeah i was gonna say you're gonna get one for your little shelf yeah 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 cool yeah right what else have we got on this tray a couple of ebooks some <laughs> ebooks called time shadows which is an unofficial unauthorized doctor who anthology series um all done in the name of charity and uh, all proceeds from this uh, benefit is a Canadian charity called Code, um, which I'm not very familiar with. Do you know much about Code? Uh, no, I think it's um, uh, it's uh, an educational charity that focuses right, okay. on sort of literacy and advanced education for for people. Yeah. Oh, cool. So there's two that have just been released as ebook formats, which is uh, Time Shadows: The Anniversary Edition and Time Shadows: Second Nature. Um, and th- there's no sort of set price for this. I think there might be a minimum of five dollars. Is it? I think so. Yeah, something. Like yeah. That. yeah. And, and, but so basically, you can you can sort of um, donate whatever you feel is is right for these. And uh, yeah, they're, they're a selection of short stories, uh, basically, um, which covers. Well, is it just the Twelfth Doctor? Because he's on the cover, but I don't know if that means they're all Twelfth Doctor stories. I'm not sure. I think they are. I, I think they are, yes, but I couldn't yep. find any other info on that. So I think the 12 Doctor stories, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a short trip sort of thing and mm. a collection of stories. But I, I remember us announcing the second one last year. Um, and it's yeah. only up until now because you, you could only get them as the print physical copy. But I think it's only now that they've, for this charity, that they've un- unlocked the um, the ebook. PDF, whatever you want to call it, version. Yeah. Which is really cool because it'll open up, you know, a lot, a lot of people now read on their Kindles or the iPads, whatever. So it'll be mm. good. Um, and I'm not sure how long that's going to last, though. It just says for a limited time. Um, but it doesn't say what that time is. So um, if you if you spotted this last year when it was announced or you, you want some new Doctor Who reading, then, um, then jump over there. So we'll put the link in the show notes. But if you jump over to pseudoscopepublishing.com slash time shadows you'll have all the deets there and you'll be able to order it and so on it looks good yeah cool yeah something to fill the gap while we're waiting for 13 yes if you've read all your target books that is that have just <laughs> landed then uh yeah go and grab it and obviously it's for a good cause for charity so um another reason to go and pick it up yeah uh moving on last bit of merch uh, another book is on the way oh Another one, uh, another one that's not out until later in the year, October. This is the Doctor Who TARDIS Type 40 Instruction Manual. Oh, that sounds cool. Yes, by Richard Atkinson and Mike Tucker. Ah, good. Mike Tucker's cool. Yes. I like Mike Tucker. With illustrations from Gavin Rymill or Rimmel. Uh, I can't pronounce, we, you know, with names, we're awesome. Mm. Um, so this is the um, 
Uh, I'll give you a bit of spiel on this. So, uh, governed by Time Lord Technology. I don't need to read this. I don't need to read this. Um, we know what the TARDIS is. Um, but the book uh, goes into details about the appearance of the TARDIS, which has changed both inside and out many times over the years. And this manual features every incarnation, including the latest version through to the 13th Doctor. Yes, yes, how awesome. Yeah, it covers the console with fully labelled, detailed schematic diagrams for each function, the ship's famous chameleon circuit, floor plans, specifics of dematerialization, the force fields and tractor beams, and much, much more. Uh, it comes complete with case studies of the Wondercraft in action, taken from the TARDIS's many trips through space and time. This manual is an essential guide to the wonders of the universe. The Wondercraft. I've never heard the TARDIS called that before. Yes. Um, yeah, so Mike Tucker's the main dude. Gavin Rimmel's the illustrator. This looks like a belter of a book, mate. You know, we're, we're, we're suckers for anything TARDIS, aren't we? Oh, this is absolutely like, this is made, tailor-made for me. This yes. sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, the obvious place to order it or pre-order it would be Amazon, and it's priced at a very reasonable fourteen ninety nine, mm. which is good because some Doctor Who books uh, that are quite meaty, so the Dalek book that was out last year and some other ones, you can push up to sort of thirty thirty five quid for those. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is a reasonable price. I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, and I'm just I'm assuming it's coming out when after the series. 11's there then because if it's got the new TARDIS in so yeah, it's uh, October October the 18th yeah is the provisional date for it that that this does sound really cool mate. I can't actually really looking forward to this hmm. yeah there you go awesome. you'll be able to have an intricate knowledge of how those little bits on the TARDIS in the TARDIS <laughs> actually work rather than just hearsay oh this this was obviously a technical nightmare I should imagine, yeah. Yeah, because there's been so many little bits and bobs added and taken away from every TARDIS over the years. I don't think there's ever been a kind of one source of truth to go to, to say, yes, this is how the chameleon circuit actually works, or this is how something else actually works. So, Because mm-hmm. it's always been, um, for me, that's, I, I don't mean to go on about this, but the, for me, the TARDIS has always had this kind of 90% uh, kind of, sci-fi technical sort of uh, mastery about it and 10% kind of magical feeling about it, if that makes mm. sense, because yeah. there's been plenty of stories where the the TARDIS has had this sort of telepathic link with the Doctor mm. and the TARDIS has almost had its own set of feelings and personalities and stuff. Yeah. So it will be interesting to see how they cover that and actually definitively say, yes, this is how the Time Lords made this TARDIS technology work and mm. yeah so I'm really looking forward to this one me too mate I'm thinking back to that scene in Adventure in Space and Time as well when the new producer comes in and, and Hartnell's like well you that's not how those switches <laughs> those switches don't do that and he's, you need to film it from the other way and he's like no and they, they don't care about those sort of things just press any old switch and he's having <laughs> none of it was he's like no this one operates the rotor yeah, good old Hartnell <laughs> yeah. yeah I love it yeah so that's news and merch on to our review this week, Sarah Jane. Oh, Sarah Jane, yeah. Dude, what are we doing? Those pesky Slovene are back <laughs> in Revenge of the Slovene. I'm feeling anxious. So am I. But you've been to school before. Not this one. Name? Clyde Langer. Troublemaker. <laughs> Some of this place stinks. The food's rotten. Something weird's going on here. That's 
a bit flashy. It's a brand new building. There was an article about it in the paper. I did an IT job in a school that looked exactly like that. Was it built by coal fire construction? Can I help you? Do you really think you can help us? Yes. We'll use him to solve the storage problem. A 14-year-old human child. Yeah? Lights out. London. <laughs> Have a look around. See if you can find where that smell's coming from. She really shouldn't be hanging around school after home time. Is that a threat? Yes. <sighs> Come on! Run! It's no fun if you don't run! The smell of human fear. Love it! Is there a way out through here? No. There's no way out. So, Luke, how do you like our little science project? I am a child of the Slivine, and this is my hunt! There you go. Yes. <laughs> Revenge of the Slivine. Parting aliens are back. Yes. <laughs> We've not seen the Slivine in the Moffat era, have we? Do correct me. No, I don't think we have. No, no, he hasn't hasn't revisited them. Yeah, no. So this was first on our screens back in two thousand and seven, in September. It was written by Gareth Roberts. It was directed by Alice Troughton, and obviously overseen by RTD and Julie Gardner and Phil Collinson. And it is a two... I think most of the Sarah Jane stories are two parts, aren't they? I think so, yeah. 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 So the story is, as you would, as you can gather from the trailer, that the Slovene are back and they've installed lots of um, uh, stations and technology blocks all over the country and all over the world. And um, they're trying to um, essentially... Yeah, the, the same old plan for the Slovene. They're trying to wipe out the human race so that they can have... The, uh, the planet to themselves. Um, and it, it feels kind of weird saying this because it's normally I'll say something like our TARDIS team of the yeah. Doctor and so on. But no, it's Sarah Jane and the new uh, stars this one. So Maria, Luke and Clyde are, are on the case unwittingly. Um, they kind of get early signs that something's not right with their school because as is the case with Doctor Who, a lot happens in schools. So the teachers have been killed and replaced and the Slovene are using their their human skin as a suit, as it were. Um, and those guys are on the case. They first realise something's not right with the farting teachers and the mouldy food and, and all that oh, stuff. Oh, the mouldy food. That's yeah. gross. Yeah. Um, and surprisingly, yeah, Sarah Jane's not on it to begin with. Mm. She uh, she kind of doesn't really cotton on, but the kids do. And then, yeah, there's a, a lot of to-in and throwing, a lot of chasing, a lot of running, uh, a lot of Luke doing his smart scientific thing mm -hmm. a lot of maria doing her controlling thing a lot of clyde doing his funny banter thing which all sort of comes together at the end and they sort of form this new gang really i suppose is the yeah right word. yeah uh so yeah kind of a re-kickoff i would say um because we reviewed the pilot if you can call it that last last month um with invasion of the bane and this one feels like it's an it's another kickoff almost it does, yeah. A little bit. So I think because there's been such a huge gap, or there was a huge gap between that one and this series starting properly, um, they needed to... Because uh, I think Invasion of the Bane was New Year's Day or Christmas Day, wasn't it? Back in, I think New Year's Day, yeah. Yeah, in 2007. So we do have like a bit more of an establishing setup where 
especially at the beginning, we have Maria saying, I'm Maria and I've moved with my dad and across the road is this big house with Sarah Jane. And so we have a bit more of a setup and because we've got new characters as well, we've got Clyde and we say goodbye to the other girl that was in the, she doesn't get mentioned, does she? The one that was in the, the one that was in the pilot. Was it, Oh, what was her name? Kelsey. Kelsey. No, was it? Was it Kelsey? Kelsey, it was, yeah, Kelsey Hooper. Was it Kelsey? Kelsey yeah, Hooper, yeah. yeah, Kelsey, yeah. She's, she was in the pilot, but she uh, doesn't even get mentioned. No. I, don't, I wonder if she gets mentioned <laughs> at all or if they just, no, let's not. Probably let's, not. Let's forget about her, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of a, another setup story almost, um, <laughs> but it doesn't take as long to do that as the other one, the previous one. Uh, and then it's just normal kind of action-packed, who style shenanigans of lots of running away, problem solving. And yeah, so what do you reckon to uh, the first one? The proper uh, first one. The proper first one. Yeah, I actually, um, I, I really quite enjoyed it, actually. I was a little bit worried at the start because there's a lot of farting jokes. And I was thinking, <laughs> oh, are they just thinking, because it's, you know, it's a kid's show or a family show, if you like, thinking, oh, dear, they're not going to sort of over-egg that, are they? Um, but yeah, once I sort of got to the end of the second part, I, I thought it was quite a, a fun little watch, really. And it made me sort of think back to the sort of shows I watched as a kid that had a yeah, a yeah. good line between being sort of a children's program, but 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 atten- intelligent enough to be watched by adults, if you know what I mean. Because yes. yeah. there are a lot of kids shows now. Like, you remember that Wizards and Aliens thing that RTD did? I found that quite childish what I watched. So, that was a lot th- more than childish, yeah. yeah. Yeah, whereas this I thought, yeah, okay, it is a sort of, still a sort of children's program, clearly. But it's, yeah, I still found myself sort of getting quite into the story and and stuff. So overall, I really liked it. Um yeah, there was, a, there was a couple of bits that really sort of uh, I thought were really good, which I'll come to as we go through it. But my sort of initial reaction is um, a bit like with Invasion of the Bane, actually. I just thought it was a a good little watch and, um, yeah, enjoyable. Yeah. What about you, mate? Did you like this one? Well, I did quite like this one, yes. Yes. I think it's uh, anyone that grew up and really liked those sort of live action programs that were on sort of, the BBC when we came home or Saturday morning shows, it, it does have that unique feel to it where it kind of caters for, because at face value, you would think that it's, oh, it's only just for kids, but it yeah. does have that, like you said, that intelligent writing to it where, especially for Doctor Who fans, they can appreciate, you know, certain things that are happening and going on. Mm. Um but, you know, the kids can like it as well. So I, I'd imagine for sort of early teens, it would be good because you kind of, you'd relate to the main characters of Maria and Clyde and so on. Um, and then for younger kids, you know, so I, I imagine if I've got, if you rewind back to September 2007, I would imagine that sort of younger fans of Doctor Who would really be looking forward to this. Mm. because it's something else within the Doctor Who universe. I can imagine like a 13-year-old on the sofa watching it with a view to relating to Clyde and Maria and so on, or a 14-year-old, but then their younger brother or sister, who's maybe six or seven, really liking it as well, because it's got monsters and, you know, funny farty noises and stuff like that. And then you've got mum or dad who are like, you know, long-term Doctor Who fans who are also watching it because it's Sarah Jane and... Exactly. They love Sarah Jane. So I really like the sort of wide appeal that it actually has. Because I think if, you, if you're if you not really a Doctor Who fan or 
you're a certain age, you might think of the Sarah Jane adventures and be like, oh, that's just a little kid's stupid thing. Mm. But I think when you sort of get into it a little bit and you, you give it a chance, you get past the first 10, 15 minutes of it, it really does open up and does appeal to a wider audience. So I, I really sort of credit RTD for that, who's created this show that, like you said, Wizards and Aliens was very, very um, uh, sort of, not even high school age, really. That was. I was going to say, school. I only watched a couple, but I remember sort of thinking, no, I couldn't, couldn't get into yeah. it because it was a bit kiddie. Yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, it's a really good balance of of writing in this one, and as the story as a whole, I think it's again like Invasion of the Bane. It's simplistic enough that everybody can follow along, but it's not panto where you know everything has to be spelled out in front of you, and yeah, um, you have to have your hand held throughout the entire thing. So that's good. Um, and obviously the Slovene are a very interesting uh, alien that's been brought into the world of Who. Um, yeah. They, they, they suit, I was going to say, they really do suit the sort of target audience, don't they, for, for Sarah Jane? I yeah. mean, they were the sort of really, if you're going to sort of bring in a series to connect this to, you know, RTD's Doctor Who, um, I think they're a great choice for the first sort of proper story of the series. Part, you know, Vase of the Bane, like I said, pilot, but, you know, what what monster are you going to bring back to sort of connect it to Doctor Who that suits this yeah. this audience? And they're perfect, aren't they? Because yes. <clears throat> the Slovene, they got, I don't, I mean, there's the farting thing, uh, you know, not sure about it, but it's, um, it's you know, kids will probably find all that stuff quite funny. <laughs> and they do, you know, in Doctor Who and to an extent in this one, they are quite scary. So yeah. I think they're a good, I think they are a good invention. I'm, I'm just glad that Russell explained the fine thing because if it was just that they fired, I just <laughs> I, it's not really my sort of humour. But he says it's something to do with them compressing themselves in the suit or something, wasn't it? They don't That's say right. it this, yeah. but in the in the other one. So you know, there's a reason for it. I like the fact that Russell gives a reason for it, but we all know it's there just to add a bit of humour. But yeah, but they're the perfect choice, I think, to to sort of kickstart the proper first series of Sarah Jane. Yes, yeah. and I would say that you know the the toilet humour side of it with the farting, which doesn't happen too often. It does at the beginning. Just the beginning, really, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, I would say that if it's good enough for, for Doctor Who that's aimed at a, a more adult audience, then it's good enough for... Because they really went to town with it in... Um, what was it? Aliens of, Lo- um, Aliens yeah, of Aliens London? Yeah, Aliens of London, World War Three. yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they didn't hold back at all with the fart humour um, no. for, for that, for regular Doctor Who, so... You know, if it's going to be aimed at a younger audience, and of course, you know, it's going to be funny and, and stuff. But I don't have a problem with it. It's... Uh, I, I think it's funny that Luke keeps, Luke says a couple of times, doesn't he? It's like, is farting funny? <laughs> <laughs> and I think, is that just, because this is written by uh, Gareth Roberts, isn't it? Yes. Or is yeah. that Gareth Roberts putting a little in-joke saying, is it funny? Yeah. You know, I don't know. But, but yeah, no, I don't don't have a problem with it. As I said, I just, it was just that initial first sort of 10 minutes when the, there's quite a lot of it. I was thinking, they're not going to do that all the way through, are they? Because that's going to wear thin pretty quick. But but they don't. Yeah, they, they sort of, um, they quickly turn, yeah. turn bad. Yeah. yeah. And I think you're absolutely right with the Slovene as well. I think if you're going to bring an alien, a monster over from regular Who, the mm. Sarah Jane, this is, uh, it's perfect really. Because I think if you had, not that they, they would do it over the top, but I think if you had Daleks in this or Cybermen or, you know, I just think it would be a bit, I don't know. I think you need a, a more in-depth intelligent story 
to, mm. to effectively have a, a Dalek threat or a Cybermen threat. True. And yeah. I think some of the younger viewers would maybe sort of switch off a little bit with that stuff going on. Mm. So I think to have the Slovene is is a really good show, actually, because the human actors that play them when they've got the, the human suits on, which we'll come on to, <laughs> is, um, you know, is quite interesting. But then when you see the, the Slovene in sort of all their glory, um, you're right, it does provide like kind of scary-ish nature to them, especially when they're mm. sort of on the hunt, as they call it, when they go chasing after... Um, chasing after them in the school. Yeah. And they've also got a, a, obviously a very unique alien look about them, but they've got those huge big claws, which quite you know, look quite scary and their voices can be quite threatening and stuff. So, and we've got the creepy little child Slovene as well, which is a bit, I think he's the creepiest one out of all of them. I was, I was just going to say, that is the bit I absolutely loved. I, I must admit, I was kind of drifting along and I was thinking, this is fun. I'm enjoying this. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't reaching any great heights, but I was enjoying it. And then the cliffhanger to part one, when that kid, um, is it Carl? Um, yeah, it's Carl, isn't Carl, it? Yeah, because yeah, I, I, I honestly didn't see that coming. I don't know. Did you? I honestly did not see that he was about to turn into a Slovene. And I literally, like, when he did it, and the way it's shot, because he's real, he's a real evil little mm-hmm. so-and-so, isn't he? Like, drops the suit, and he's got this real, it's like a mini Slovene yes. with a re- with gnashing teeth, and he's really evil. And I was like, I blimmin' love that. I, I didn't <laughs> see that coming. That's brilliant. Um, and I'll tell you what, mate, that really brought that really brought the episode up for me. Because, I, I, like you, I thought he was the scariest one. He was really going for it. Yes. Because he was enjoying the hunt, wasn't he, so much. He was just teasing them uh-huh. by chasing them around, you know. Um, I love that element of the story. I, I really did. I, um, I just thought the, the little Slovene was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, was it Jeff? No, Jeff. So bad with names. Anyway, listeners know obviously he's because he's brought in as just a little side character, isn't he? That kid. Yeah, Carl. Yeah, it is Carl, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's so, um, part of the science club that Luke that, joins, isn't he? That's it. Tell yeah. me you didn't see that coming. The, Did you? The, was it him turning into a Savine? Oh no, no, no. Sorry, you know, oh. not at all. No, it's a good. So were you shocked like me when he starts unzipping his head? Were you like, oh my god, Carl's a Savine? Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah, I was, I, I loved it, mate. Absolutely loved that bit. Yeah. Because the, the the actors, the adult actors who are playing the Slovene, you could, you know, just their mannerisms. Oh, they're going and so over the top, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. We'll come on to the campness and the, yeah. the, 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 yeah. the, the theatrics. But with Carl, no, he was completely natural right up until the point mm. where he unzipped his head. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. 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 And the, um, uh, the, the actor inside, the little Carl Slovene, you would have known him, Jimmy V., Name should I ring a bell. I thought it was, yeah. yeah. Uh, Banner Cafalata. You know. M- Mock, uh, the blue guy. Is it Mox of Bell. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Scurryvox Blitzer. He was in that big suit. Oh, he's, he's done yeah. them all. And yeah. now R2-D2. And now, yeah, now R2-D2. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, yeah, I, I was a big fan of the mini Slovene, the little child one. I found it actually quite creepy. Very creepy, yeah, yeah. Very creepy, yeah. yeah. By far the scariest of all of them because he's up for it. Uh, it. Yeah, he's like a little tiger that's been let out the cage, you know. And now he's because I think the adults are then of because they, they gave you a bit of back a backstory, didn't they, about their home planet? And there was another species on that planet, and the Slovene sort of hunted them to extinction. So now they haven't got anything to hunt really. So 
they really like it when the humans run away and they're scared because it gives them that sense of sort of primal, you know, hunting. Yeah. So the little Sardines are well up for it. He's like, yeah, I'm finally going to get to. And he's fast, isn't it? Because the other, yeah. like you said, the adult Sardines are so fat and clumsy and, you know, they bulk around. So he was yeah. zooming around like a little, it's a bit like a, you know, like you said, if something escapes from a cage, a little insect or something. And you're like, oh my God, something about him being smaller and more, um, faster and stuff made him much more scary than the big old clumsy, you know, adult ones. Yeah, that was a great idea. I don't know if that was Russell's or, or the writer, um, uh, Gareth Roberts, but um, that was a cool little little mini twist. I liked that. Yeah, yeah. I thought the kid was quite good actually. Um, you know, the because as I said, I didn't see it coming. So when he, you think he's a sort of um, you think he's a sort of geek who's sort of got no friends, don't you? That yeah. Carl. <laughs> You know what I mean? You just think he's a bit of a sort of school's loner. So I, I thought it was great when he turned evil. You were like, oh my God. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Uh, in terms of story and so on, uh, like I said, it's fairly simplistic. You don't have to be taxed too much to see what's going on. So the Slovene have basically got this plan in place where they want to block out the sun or kill the sun or something. Kill the sun, yeah. Yeah, so they've got all these different... Um, uh, sort of big electrical scientific it, to me it felt a little bit like you know the very old hammer horror films where mm. um you know the frankenstein story where or you've got all of this you know where you've got frankenstein laid up on the on the bed and yeah. then surrounding it they always do this surrounding it they've got like these massive machines and switches electricity and <laughs> yeah yeah and it's clearly doing nothing you know, it's just yeah, the actor at the time walking around, flicking mm. loads of things, and there's explosions and sparks, and it did feel a little bit like that, which is not a bad yeah. thing, because um, um, I think if they tried to go into in, uh, too much detail with that technical side of things, again, mm. the younger viewers would just sort of switch off. But I like how it's like a Frankenstein's lab, just sort of you know endless dials and switches and stuff and yeah. explosions and stuff. Um, <laughs> And it's also an interesting little thing, isn't it, where they can't seem to get past a certain point. So there's a bit where they try it and then all the power goes out, but then something goes wrong. Mm. And it's down to Luke. He provides this sort of mental equation to put into. It's really weird because he comes up with a scientific equation to go into a an electronic machine, which um, is kind of weird, but... So what did you think to the story? Because it's kind of simple. We get the idea. The it's very simple, yeah. You know, the Slovene are there to take over the world. They're going to kill the sun. Humans can't survive without the sun and the planet's theirs. Um, but I felt that this one, both parts actually, there wasn't enough time or there wasn't time to hang around and have conversations like we had in Invasion of the Bane because there was a few scenes in there where Maria where they kind of set up the relationship with her dad. You know, oh, so yeah, they're yeah. now living together and we see like the mum just come in and annoy them sometimes. Mm. And about her relationship and how it gets into gear with Sarah Jane as well and how Luke comes to be. In this one, I found that they they they, they did enough where the, the characters are established, but because it wasn't a pilot, they didn't have to spend too long having all of those long, longer scenes with the conversations and so on. And mm. I think both parts moved along at a fairly decent pace as well. Yeah. There wasn't a time to hang around and sort of, because we have the classic, you know, let's run away, lots of running that they brought over from who. 
Mm. So do you think the story moved decently or did you reach for your phone a few times? No, no, I, I honestly, um, Hand on Heart didn't reach my phone once uh, during this, actually. I, I, they do move along. I think they're just under half an hour each, aren't they? Or 25 minutes, half an hour? 25, um, yep. 25, yeah. I mean, episode two, absolutely it doesn't stop for breath really it's it's a real fast moving episode because it's kind of all it's picking straight up from the cliffhanger and it and it really doesn't stop until literally the last couple of minutes when everything's you know they're all defeated and we get a scene between sarah jane and clyde um which is quite nice actually because obviously they've introduced this new character clyde we instantly get he's a bit of a cheeky chappy um (laughs) he's obviously brought into the gang (laughs) Uh, he's the replacement for uh, Kelsey, I assume, who's been kind dropped of, yeah, like yeah. a sto- hot potato uh, <laughs> from the pilot. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of cool. But that's the only time, really, when the episode sort of stops to breathe is those last few minutes. Uh, and it's all, for all the better for it because, um, you know, as I said, we're sort of bringing in this new character and, and he has to bond with Sarah Jane. It's strange, though. I don't know about you, mate. Um, when she starts talking about the Doctor again, it didn't feel as natural it, it, it did feel a little bit shoehorned to me because I was thinking, why she, why she started going? She's like, oh, well, there oh, was right. this man, mm-hmm. and I guess they've they've done that because, like you said, there is a gap between the pilot and this, so maybe they're just reaffirming yeah. that she tried. So I I totally get why it's there, but I did it didn't seem as natural as it did in the uh, pilot to me when she started talking about the doctor and there was this great man that I once travelled with because she's telling Clyde, isn't Clyde. she? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's so cool. But then, yeah, it's a very small point. But then I liked the fact that then Clyde snuck upstairs. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so can we trust this? Because she says, can I trust you? That's and he's right. like, yeah. So he convinces her she can. But then he sneaks upstairs and you start to wonder it, if he's up to no good. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't think he is. But I liked that as a little like, okay, what's going on now then? Cause, but then he gets interrupted and it's all good again. But yeah. I, I yeah, I thought it moved along at a great pace. I, I wasn't bored at all. Okay. In fact, I was thoroughly entertained. I just this is the thing about this Sarah Jane Adventures. It's the perfect sit down, switch your brain off, have some fun television. It's it, so far, you know what I mean. This this two parter is just you know you've got Doctor Who if you want something a bit more, mm-hmm. you know, brain taxing. You've got Torchwood if you want something a bit more adult. This is just as I said earlier, it reminds me of TV I used to love as a kid. I can just literally put this on. And I'm happy for 50 minutes just watching it. And, you know, it's a yeah. fun watch. Yeah. Yeah. It's paced very well, I thought. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the, uh, I, I do agree with you. So that conversation she has with Clyde where she's telling him about the Doctor, I think that is put in there to. It's just to reaffirm it, I guess. Yeah. So all of the kids or I shouldn't really target the kids, but all of the people that maybe didn't see the invasion of the Bane that went out. Mm. on new year's day and this was their first time watching sarah jane because this would have been advertised i assume in a couple of weeks run up to it by the bbc so, yeah. and so on so they're probably looking forward to it and didn't maybe maybe didn't see the um the first one mm. i guess they do need that little nod over to doctor who and that's probably the best way to do it because none of the other characters obviously you know had any interaction with the doctor at this point yeah so it's a it's a good way for but I get what you mean, though. It didn't because in the invasion of the Bane, she's they're out in the garden afterwards, aren't they? That's right. At, at the end, and it's quite a touching little sort of moment she has. That little monologue's quite nice. Whereas this Lovely. one feels like a repeat of that. It but does just a bit condensed, just for the sake of 
people that maybe didn't hear it the first time around. But mm. yeah. Um, but no, overall, I thought the story moved along at a decent pace, just like Invasion of the Bane. Um, not quite as long scenes as that one. It, um, the conversations seemed to move a bit quicker. There wasn't time to hang around. But Yeah, because the other thing that's going on in this, which is quite sweet, is the sort of interaction between Sarah Jane and Luke, because she's kind of adopted this alien. Well, he's not an alien, is he? But this sort of artificially produced kid which yeah. is strange because they don't make much of a deal of it in this you kind of they don't really explain it even in the little recap they kind of just like he was born yesterday but what does that mean yeah. so it, yeah. so i'm thinking as a sort of new viewer a bit like we are i'm kind of thinking so what is luke because like he seems really intelligent but he also seems really naive mm-hmm. um in a way so i'm still a little unclear what's going on with his character um if you like but i did love the sort of interaction of sarah jane being a certain age and not knowing how to be a mum right, or if right. she wants. So that was quite sweet. But again, we don't get much time in the episode for that to be explored very much, do we? We get a little no. bit about not wanting to be called mum, but she does really. She's just saying that. And But th- those scenes are quite nice, I think, between her and Luke. The, the end scene with her hugging him and, you know, them coming together. It's, a, it's nice to see a bit of progression between those two characters i think yeah uh, you know the fact that sarah jane's actually got to take on this new role as bit of being a mum and she's got to care for somebody she's got you know she's got responsibilities and all that sort of thing that's quite nice um but again only really explored at the end wasn't it i'm guessing we'll get a bit more of that yeah so yeah. there was probably a couple of things that they put in at the end to give it that sort of happy ever after sort of feel good end. oh it did, it, you yeah, know. It did. Um, but i think yeah i mean it's kind of at odds with itself really because you've got Sarah Jane who's giving um, a very similar speech to Clyde that she gave in the first one Mm. because they want to, and I'm not saying this is definitely their sort of motive, but it it just felt like people that didn't see Invasion of the Bane uh, sort of had that um, uh, sort of nod over to who from Sarah Jane, the connection there and the reason why she's doing what she's doing and so on. But then, yeah, like you mentioned, the stuff with Luke, we don't get, you know there's hardly any explanation at all so if you hadn't have seen invasion of the bane you wouldn't know what's going on with luke at all yeah i found that a bit odd you know because they he they do rely on him quite heavily in the story don't they mm. you know he, he solves the mystery so i, I find maybe it's because they haven't quite sort of worked out his character yet but he yeah we didn't get much much of an explanation for him mm. of, of what he is and what he's doing so i'm i'm hoping we'll explore that more as the series goes on i'm sure we will but yeah 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 it was a bit confusing for sort of a first time viewer i think potentially yeah but then again i i I suppose because it's a series they're relying on people to watch through the series and you know his character Mm. does open up a little bit more as we go through yeah it's kind of difficult as well because you and i haven't seen all of them we've only seen the odd one here and there yeah yeah so i can't actually say yes his character gets fleshed out more i'm just you know we're assuming Yeah. yeah exactly yeah so it's cool i mean it's cool to be on this journey though not knowing what's going to happen around mm. the corner, unless it, we get to an episode we've seen. Um, but it, yeah, it. You and I mentioned before we started recording, didn't we? That did you watch the next time trailer at the end for? Yeah. The next story, which I think is Eye of the Gorgon. Yeah. And that looks really good. I was actually in two minds. I was thinking, shall I just carry on and watch? I was exactly the same. Yeah, I, uh, I, yeah I, I thought the trailer for the next one looked brilliant. I, I said to you, didn't I? I hope, um, hope it's not one of those trailers that looks good and the episode's drab. But mm-hmm. yeah, I loved the look of the next story because we are starting to see things are coming together really nicely, aren't they, already? Yeah, yeah. You know, this little team we've got 
you know, in Sarah Jane in the middle of it, it's already like got me hooked into the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can just see so much potential already, um, even after these first two sort of stories that we've got. And yeah, I just get the feeling it's just getting going to get better and better because it's just going to grow and grow. And like you said, the, the trailer for the next one, I was like, that looks really good. I, I might just watch it. And I was like, no, no, save it, save it. And it's, yeah, it's great having not seen it because it's, um, it's going to be, you know, something new when I put it on, when we come to review it next month. So, mm. but yeah, it's, it's definitely all, all the chemistry is working a hundred percent for me in this series so far mm. after two stories. And I, I think one of the big pluses of, of that is the performance of the cast. Yeah. Cause when you get a children's program, if, you know, if the cast aren't up to a certain standard, I'm talking about the younger cast, you know, when you get kid actors or teenage actors, if they're not up to a certain level of acting ability, it's very easy to for you, for you to sort of lose track or lose interest in the story and and write it off as a kids' program. The fact I think all the actors in this are, are so good, mm-hmm. um, you know, it really helps make this a, a, an enjoyable watch. I, that's why I said I, I wouldn't write this off as a CBBC program. Don't you know just because it's a kids show? Don't oh, yeah. like think, yeah. oh, I'm not watching that because the, the the acting and everything in it is is, is of a decent level, hmm. you know, from the, from the from the main young cast. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Don't absolutely don't write it off. Mm. Um, having, having said that, I think um, some of the reviews that we got through from our listeners, a few of them did say that this one is more towards the kind of more Kiddie younger side. audience than yeah. most of the other stories. Whereas next week's yeah. looks quite dark. It, it might not be. Yeah. We don't know. We haven't watched it, but um, it, looks it looks dark. Yeah. looks dark, doesn't it? Yeah, I was thinking this looks more like it. Yeah, yeah. There was a good scene in this when um, um, yeah, uh, Maria, sorry, was hiding under the desk from the Savine, and he's sort of unsuiting, and she did look proper petrified. I was thinking, yeah. okay, this is this is edging slightly towards the more darker adult sign because mm-hmm. you know that was quite a scary moment, but there wasn't many bits in this that were genuinely sort of moments of peril. I mean, there was a bit where Sarah Jane was behind some boxes and the Savine's coming towards her. That oh, was yeah. actually more comical. I think it was supposed to be scary, but yeah. I actually found that more funny because he's knocking the boxes out of the way of his big old belly and claws. <laughs> I think, nah. But that bit where she's under the desk was, was a bit frightening and the little mini, um, the little mini Slovene running around, he was pretty yeah. frightening. But that's, there wasn't much in this that I thought was particularly adult, if you like. No. And I think the story does, I think it does a fairly good job of um, providing sort of atmosphere and, and so on. So mm. the school, um, yeah, so when they're sort of trapped in the school, it's a bit, looks pretty good. And especially the bit in the secret room where all the uh, sort of experiment and the, the weapons being developed and so on, that looks, the lighting's pretty good. I, I quite yeah. like the direction, actually, in this. I think Alice Troughton did a fairly decent job of, you know, providing atmosphere in certain scenes and the yeah. chase scene. So it's very difficult for the actors in the Slovene suits to actually look <laughs> like they're sort of moving quickly. Because if memory serves in um, Aliens of London World War Three, I think they used some CG Slovene in those. They did. I definitely remember CG, yeah. yeah. Whereas in this one, it's all done with the physical actors in the in the suits. And it, they do mm. look quite restrictive. So it's difficult to make them look like they're menacing and chasing yep. after you but i think she did a fairly good job with that yeah i do as well they, they can't be easy to shoot and make look no. scary yeah yeah and alice Troughton, she did um i think she's one of the only few directors 
who have directed episodes for all three, who Sarah Jane and Torchwood. Oh, right. Yeah. So she's done, and she's done some good ones as well. She directed Midnight, which is a great story. Oh, that's a good story, yeah. Um, the Doctor's Daughter, which we haven't reviewed yet, so. Haven't we? Well, I don't think so. Oh. Have we? I thought we had. I don't know. Oh, man. <laughs> I lose track. Here we go. Let's go to the tape. The Doctor's Daughter. We have done it. You're right. Yeah. When was that? Crikey, back in episode 27. Oh, no wonder you don't remember yeah. it. <laughs> um, yeah, so that wasn't too bad. Um, but yeah, interestingly enough, she also directed this thing called Doctor Who, Tonight's the Night. What's that? I'm betting you've not heard of that before. No. So back in, this is, I, I remember this because I remember. Tonight's the Night. Yeah, so Tonight's the Night was a, a TV show that John Barrowman presented. Oh, yeah. Back on the Beeb, back in... 2009 2010 something like that and um essentially what it, it was about um it is a basically like audience members it was like making their wish come true so if an audience member said you know i wish i was a fighter pilot for the day they would you know take them off to the raf and they would be flown around in a plane and you know it's kind of like that jim will fix it Oh, okay. Surprise, surprise, Silla Black, that era of TV sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but there was one uh there was one episode where they did a Doctor Who sketch. And it starred John Barrowman as Jack Harkness. And David Tennant came back as the Doctor. Oh. Yeah. And uh so the the winner of this particular thing was um uh, a person who got to play an alien in the sketch as Doctor Who. And um, yeah, it was uh, it was written by Russell T Davis as well. I don't, this I don't remember any of this. I bet I'd you love don't, to yeah, see it. Yeah. Is it online? It I'll might be on look. YouTube somewhere or somewhere. And it's I'm called sure. Tonight's the Night. It's called Tonight's the Night. It was presented by John Barrowman, right? Um, and uh, one of the the audience members or whoever entered the competition for that particular week's episode got to play a, a small part in this Doctor Who sketch written by RTD and then another little nugget for you that this was actually the first time that the TARDIS interior was shown in high definition on TV. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 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 Ah. So yeah, if, if you're going to search for it, any listeners that are trying to hunt it down, it might be on daily motion or YouTube, whatever. If you do a search for tonight's the night, Dr. Who December, 2011, or something like that, or, Oh, April. Actually, no. I can't remember when it was. I think it was one of the the later. I can't remember. But but anyway, this is just a little I nugget have to, for you. Yeah, I was going to say it's so weird. I don't even. I don't recall that at all. Tonight's the yeah, night. Tonight's it, the night. I shall have to have a look. Yeah. So I don't remember watching the Doctor Who sketch in it, but I remember yeah. that show being on. Yeah. Yeah, because you wouldn't have been into Doctor Who back then, would you? That would have been. I assume during. No, Before been. Matt took over, yeah. Yeah. But hey, that might be a little fun. It, it feels to me like it's got that little comic relief, sketchy feel about it. Right, yeah. It's got that yeah. little... I'm assuming it's only sort of 10, 15 minutes long, but go and go and find it. I shall. I shall hunt, search that down. Yeah. yeah. But Alice Troughton directed that as well as some cool stuff in Torchwood and everything else, but no relation to the Troughtons of Pat <laughs> and anyone else, but... But I thought she did a decent job with this. 
Yeah, I did as well, actually. It's sort of some crazy sort of angles. There's a bit where Sarah Jane does a sort of, she drives in and sort of irks the car around, you know, does like a wheel skid and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And yeah, I thought it was quite well directed as well. As I said, Slovene can't be the easiest creature to direct no, and make no. look scary, um, but she does a good job, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's talk about some characters then. So we've spoken about the Slovene. Um, so we've got like the, let's talk about the adults of the thing quickly. So we've got. Oh yeah, we should. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we've got, um, uh, we've spoken about the little mini one, Carl. Who was good. Who was good, which actually managed to escape because there's a quite a, a touching yes. scene at the end, isn't there? Where, uh, She's re- yeah, Carl and who else is it? The one of the adults, Slavine. His dad, yeah. Yeah, are trapped in the door that, to the secret area, what's going on. And uh, the adult one gets uh, gets electrocuted and dies, doesn't it? Yeah. In the doorway. And you think that uh, Carl is going to go the same way. And Sarah Jane's kind of, she has this moment of hesitation where, you know, do, do they try and save her? Because they actually you know, played him with her, like the little, the little one, he's on a, I'm only 12. Oh no, that's it's heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. Sarah Jane, that's really distraught. Yeah. And uh. it's kind of like, you know, they, they acted too late. So you think that they've been killed, but I think Carl gets teleported out. Yeah, he does. I must admit, I wasn't yeah. clear when I first watched it. I was thinking, yeah. did he, did he get away or not? But he does, doesn't he? The dad dies. But little Carl survives. I mean, you can't kill little Carl. Not a little Carl. He's only 12. <laughs> Carl's like a little, you know, little nephew that you want to look after for a little while, just for the crack. Yeah. To see him go after the cat for hours. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's really uh, sort of heartbreaking. And that can, reminded me yeah. of a Doctor Who scene. That because it yeah. does turn a bit dark. They're like pleading for their lives, yes. and she's and they're like, "You can't let them out." And and Sarah Jane's obviously like doesn't want to. She wouldn't want to kill anyone, no. but if she does let them out. It's the end of the world. So that was again that that's very much Doctor Who that sort of thing, isn't it? It is. It does turn. Mm. It, you have that little dark moment, don't you? And it's yeah. interesting the reactions actually from Sarah Jane because she's quite distraught. You know, she didn't want to see mm. them. She's kind of adopted the. The, the majority of the doctor's point of view where, you know, he, if there's no need to kill anybody or anyone, if you can save them, then you save them. Mm. Um, so she kind of adopted that mindset, I, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but Clyde is very much like, you know, let him die. He is actually, isn't he? He was. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, was, he does. Yeah. He's, he doesn't. Mm, yeah. He's quite yeah. matter of fact about it. It was like, it he's was got a lot to learn. Yeah. 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 That's mm. exactly it. Yeah. He's got a lot to learn, but, um, mm. So yeah, so uh, but the, what do you think of those two main adult? Yes, because they do camp it up, and I, for me, they slightly let the story down. <laughs> um, I think they've they've gone in there thinking it's a kids show. We need to be really funny and silly. They're not bad. They're not terrible, but they do go a bit OTT, don't they? Especially towards the end, they seem to get worse and worse as the episode gets on. Actually, they get more and more OTT as the episode goes on yeah like the bit where he's talking down the microphone in episode two he's really going <laughs> over the top and i'm like they i mean I, I could blame the director for that maybe you know they should have been told to just take it down a notch but it seems to me that they've been told to take it up two notches i don't know but they're okay they, they provide a bit of humor but i thought they were a bit over the top myself at times yeah so we've got greg 
Blakeman, haven't we? Who's the headmaster? Mm-hmm. And then we've got um, the other guy. Is it uh, Tim Jeffrey? Could be. I don't know. Yeah, those <laughs> so two. bad with names. I like the woman though. The, the the woman's actually pretty scary. You know the one that Sarah Jane's interviewing. Oh yes. Yep. In the sort of pink, bright pink dress. She she looks quite scary when she kicks off. But we don't actually see her much, do we? She's only really in that one little bit. Yeah. Well, she comes to an unsticky end. She gets electrocuted, yeah. doesn't she? She gets electrocuted. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think they were, they were okay. I mean, the only complaint really, I mean, the acting skills, you know, are never going to win any Oscars. No. Um, you know, but the the complaint really is the campness of it and the, you know, the. It's got a, what's his name? Something Collins, Collins. Uh, oh, uh, David Collins. David School Collins. But, you know, they're challenging him for the uh, the theatricals there. I think they might give him a good run for his money, actually. Yeah, because um, yeah, it's a shame because actually the head teacher guy <laughs> at the start, he is, he is got, he's got a sort of menacing edge to him. And I thought he's a bit over the top, but he's, he is quite sort of good at the sort of, um, bit sort of creepy. Mm-hmm. But then unfortunately, yeah, he seems to sort of, get worse and worse in the sort of, like you said, the over the top campness seems to go up quite a few notches. It does. The more the story yeah. goes on and he kind of loses the scariness and just becomes a bit of a sort of caricature yes. of silliness. And yeah. yeah, I don't know. I felt he could have, yeah, he would probably would have been better if he'd have toned it down a bit. Yeah. Um, mm. So yeah. So Tim Jeffrey is the, the, the IT or science teacher. Greg, yeah. Greg Blakeman is the, the head teacher. Mr. Blakeman. Um, but Janine, the character who confronts, or or Sarah Jane confronts, she's quite creepy. Yeah, I thought she was quite good. Yeah, because Sarah Jane's like, is, yeah, Janine's like, I suggest that you threat. leave. <laughs> that threat. She's like, yes. <laughs> I like that, yeah. yeah. Yes, it is. And then she unzips <laughs> and then all hell breaks loose. Yeah. That was good, though. I liked that bit. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It was all right. Uh, so yeah, the adult Slavine, I think, um, sorry, the human Slavine, I think, uh, yeah, not the greatest that we've seen, but it was never going to be the greatest, was it? Let's be honest. No. Yeah. Question for you though. Do you think the Slavine look better or worse in this story? Do you, do you, in terms of the way that they're shot and, and the costumes and stuff? Cause they are um, very much, they are very, we do get to see quite a lot of them in this, you know, like in, World War Three, they're kind of there's a lot of running around and stuff, but I don't know. They do, you know, they've got the blinking eyes stuff going on, and yes, that's true. Yeah, there are, but we seem. I feel we see just a little bit too much of the costume sometime in this. Like, I'm sure I could see, like, I don't know. I'm sure I could see the join in a couple of shots, like yeah. between yeah. the sort of legs and the upper bit, and and the chest. There's there's one costume where it's as if the actor doesn't quite fit in the costume. I don't know if you notice, but the sort of the crease around the chest area just seems to have deflated. I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> I didn't notice. Is it, no. I kept thinking they, they sort of, it's as if they're not stood up straight. So the sort of rubber costumes folded over. Oh, right. Right. I, I don't know. It's hard to explain. I was sort of thinking they, it's as if the actor's a bit too short for it or something, but um, right. I, I do think they look good. Don't get me wrong. I still think they look good, but I don't know. There is this sort of slightly lose their scariness. I think a little bit yeah. in this one. Maybe yeah. that's by design. I think in the, in the doctor who, stories i think um aliens of london there's a couple of scenes where we don't we we get like the actors screams at the camera mm. and we don't actually see the slovene so it makes them a bit more scary yeah you know um so i but think, do you think overall they look good in this 
Uh, yeah, I think they look okay. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. they look okay. I, I think sort of costume little little mishaps potentially aside, they do okay. I think, like I said, it was a. I think it was good going to get them running pretty fast down yeah, school true. corridors and so on. Mm. Mm. Um, and the scene at, at the end where they're sort of trapped in the door and they're reaching through is is pretty well done. And so I don't yeah. think they look bad, but yeah, I think Doctor Who or Sarah Jane aliens have looked better. Yeah. I would say. I'm on the fence. I've got splinters in my bum. I realise that. but mm-hmm. No, I get what you mean. I, I have to say, I think there are moments in Aliens of London World War Three where actually they look quite rubbery as well, thinking about it. I know there's one bit where there's like a claw lifts up to sort of kill someone and it looks really rubbery in that yeah. episode, I remember. So, yeah, no, I think they look all right in this. I just I just wondered. Yeah, They look all right. Yeah. Uh, okay. What about um, Maria's mum and dad? They make a reasonably small appearance but they're there nonetheless yeah i'm kind of glad you mentioned them actually because i've noticed um that they seem to have softened down the mum character made her a bit more likable yes in this yeah. and she is only really in the end bit but they give her a bit they they give her some sort of humorous lines don't they because mm. she, she's she's quite unlikable in the pilot isn't she she's she is. very snooty yeah. she's comes in and she's very unlikable but yeah, I can't remember what she says at the end now, but I remember thinking, oh, they've softened, they've started to soften her character and make her more, mm-hmm. you know, more likable, which is good because I think, um, you know, I think it works better that way, actually. Because I, I like the dad, uh, Alan Jackson, played by Joseph Mil- Milson. Mm. Um, I think he's quite good because he's sort of just, he seems quite natural at the uh, in the role. Mm-hmm. So, although, again, he's not in it very much, I think when he's sort of chatting to Sarah Jane and he's, you know, comes out of a few little quips. I think he's quite good. So, yeah, but I'm, I'm glad they've toned down Chrissy Jackson's character a bit. I think that's definitely the way to go with those two. You know, yes. yeah. no, I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, it does provide a little bit of a family life sort of point of view mm. for Maria's character. Because after Cl- all, you know, she is like a character outside of school as well as in school. So, Mm. No. I just gonna say it's interesting because Clyde mentions that he's his family split up as well. So I wonder if that's gonna is that gonna lead somewhere? Is this is the fact they've got that in common? I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like it. So it's the other way around for him. He's with his mum, and his dad's nowhere to be seen. I think he, he didn't said. seem to know his dad or something, did yeah. he? So that's yeah. We'll see if that leads anywhere. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah. So okay, let's talk about the main the the main sort of younger team then. Yeah. So Maria, Luke and Clyde, I think they gel together fairly well. I think it starts off with some sort of banter, if you like, from Clyde. He's new, Maria's new. They're, they're all new at the school, aren't they? Yeah. So you've got Clyde, who's who seems like he's a bit more sort of streetwise, um, a bit more of a funny character. He's like the comic relief of the three of them, if you like. Mm. A bit more attitude. Maria's like the stable, you know, not necessarily wants to do things properly, but, you know, she's a bit more. And then Luke, you've got... You know, if you didn't see Invasion of the Bane, <laughs> you've got this strange uh, uh, teenager who's, you know, very awkward, doesn't know many, you know, what's going on, hasn't got many social skills. Um, but they tend to sort of work towards, by the end of the story, I felt like they were a, a decent little team. Yeah, that's they, what I thought, yeah. Yeah, they seem to work together, especially when they're in um, Sarah Jane's house and they've seen Mr. Smith, the big computer, and, mm. you know, she's explained again to Clyde what's going on with, you know, aliens being real and everything, and... Luke sort of, you know, it's, it's, it's like a bit of a learning step, if you like. It, it seems to me like, I'm just guessing, but it seems to me like as each 
story and series goes by, Luke gets a lot more sort of wiser to what's going mm. on in the world and a bit more social. And but yeah, I think by the end of it, they gelled pretty well together. Yeah, I, I think they, I think they're they're really starting to come together quite nicely. Those as as you said, as this little team with Sarah Jane sort of in the middle as the adult figure. Yeah, mm. I think they work very well together. As I said earlier, I think the acting from all those guys really, um, probably particularly. Yasmin Page as Maria, I think she's the most natural in her performance. I think she's really good, especially the interaction with her dad, actually. Yeah. yeah. They, they work really well together. Um, Luke's, uh, Tommy Knight as Luke, I think is good. I mean, it's he's got to play this sort of, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing kind of thing, which can, you know, it can be difficult because it's like you've sort of got to act dumb without being dumb. But I think he's doing a decent job so far. Yeah. Um, Clyde, Daniel Anthony, first story introductory story for him um i think he's taken what he's got on the page and he's really gone with it because he's got to be this sort of cheeky yeah. i'm the cool kid and and i thought he did a decent job for his first story yeah 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 so i think altogether, i think they are a cool little team i quite like these guys you know i'm, I'm rooting for them which is always a good thing like you know like kelsey um who got dropped from the first series we you know we weren't really rooting for her were we we weren't really on her side particularly we were like god she's annoying yeah, and the last thing yeah. you want is three bratty, annoying kids. Absolutely. You know, as your yeah. lead. Whereas these guys, they're quite likable. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they're very likable, actually. So, yeah, I think they've got a good dynamic, these guys. Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. And I think the yeah, so n- nothing against Kelsey's, you know, the the girl that played Kelsey from the pilot. No. You know, it's, it's always tough to, to sort of beat up on child actor performances. But I, I think not necessarily her fault, but the way that she was asked to play that character... Oh yeah, definitely. Just not likable at all. So, mm. you know, it would have been a, a, a it would have been a, a a tough call to bring her back for this, knowing that she, you know she wasn't a likable character. So, mm. it's good that she's been not. Well, I guess she has been replaced in a way by Clyde. I suppose that is the replacement there. Mm. You know, um, but yeah, I, I like I agree with you. I think they do they do work well, and it will be good to see them. Uh, in the next stories and moving forward because mm. now we've got this kind of pseudo pilot character set up here's now the team thing out the way um yeah be good i guess yeah definitely mate and i was gonna say is it me or did mr smith the computer did he look a bit different in this story i I wanted to go back and check i'm sure he i'm sure they've altered him slightly I can't um, from invasion no, no i'm gonna I, I meant to go back and check because you know he sort of he makes such a grand entrance and Clyde is like <gasps> flabbergasted by him, which actually I don't think he would be. <laughs> the kids today probably be like, "What's that load of junk?" But um, <laughs> but I'm sure he looked a bit more souped up. I might be wrong, but I, I, I'm gonna next time I pop the disc in, I'm just gonna go back and check in Vange the Bane. I'm sure he's I'm sure he's been souped up a little bit. Hey, I've just realised as well, no K9. No <gasps> K9. God, I've only just realised. Where's that cupboard? That he's hot, that he's in. Yeah, true. Yeah. Oh no, he's still fighting back the black hole or whatever he's doing. Oh no, I hope he's in this somewhere <laughs> in this series. I don't know. I, I don't know if he is, but I hope I'm he not is. sure. Yeah, oh. not sure. Yeah, interesting to find out though. Mm, I hope he does pop up again. <laughs> don't just leave him. Don't just leave him in that cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> like Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Sarah Jane and Liz Sladen. Yeah. I think our reviews are going to be very similar where it concerns her and her character, but 
Um, I mean, similar as in every time we review an SJA story, but she's, mm-hmm. yeah, she's got such, I think the, the good thing about Liz Sladen is that she's got such great consistency in regardless of what you watch her in. Mm. So even if you go back to like Pyramids of Mars and then watch her in this, you know, there's no difference in her mm. character at all. She's just consistent all the way through, you know, in terms of her, not not just her playing, you know, the, the overall character of Sarah Jane, but just her mannerisms and, you know, the way she laughs and the way that she does certain things. Mm. It's She's just Sarah Jane through and through. Uh, you know, and you, it doesn't matter what you're watching her in. She's just, it, she's just great to watch. She's got this really cool kind of strong headed streak about her, which we mm. loved from the classic years. She's also got this vulnerability and this kind of empathy that, you know, she's got for certain things. Like she was really distraught at that bit where she thinks that Carl's been killed. Yeah. You know, she really didn't want her to do, to, to do that. Um, so yeah, I, just no complaints again from Liz Sladen. She's just just brilliant, as Sarah Jane. Mm, I love yeah, I love that. I love the fact that she is that strong character. She's got a an edge to her, isn't she? Because Sarah Jane's such a lovely mm-hmm. character, and you think she's all sweet and nice, but she has got that strong backbone yeah. as well. So every now and again, she'll throw something out there that you think, oh, you know, you wouldn't mess with her because like she sort of gets crossed, doesn't she? That she's like, oh, another one that I've got to take care of now. Another yeah. responsibility. So, so she's a very rounded character. You yes. know, she's not just this sweet old lady that goes around. You're not like super granny that goes around solving <laughs> the crime every week. She is a very rounded character and Liz plays it very well. Yeah. Um, she's yeah, she's good at the sentimental stuff. She's good when she needs to be strong and all that sort of thing. And yeah. it does pick up very nicely from, cause being set in a school, you know, I did keep thinking of school reunion, that yeah. sort of vibe of, you know, the teachers are aliens thing. I was thinking that was one of my concerns actually, when I first put this on the first sort of five, 10 minutes thinking, Oh, it's a bit similar to school reunion. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, obviously Sarah Jane going into the school to, to sort it out, but it, that does kind of, ease off i'm i'm just thinking actually gareth roberts he he also wrote the caretaker didn't he which was set in a school <laughs> do you think if they've got yeah. a story set in a the school they're like hey, can we get oh i know get gareth on the phone he's good at school stuff <laughs> but um but no I, I think that picks up again very nicely from from school reunion in terms of the character and sarah jane because she says at the end of that doesn't she she's like oh, i never had kids and that sort of thing yeah. and then obviously in this story she's starting to realize that she's what she's taken on with, with having Luke and stuff. So yeah, I think she does all that brilliantly. It's just a nice progression again of her story. And like you said, she could quite easily be the same Sarah Jane that we see in pyramids of Mars or, you know, or terror of the Zygons or whatever. So yeah, it's, it's still the same character, but she's got older, she's got different responsibilities and she's still doing her thing. And it's, it's brilliant. Yeah. That is good. She is well, well-rounded as you say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the Slovene did actually make a comeback uh, very, very lightly after Aliens of London and stuff as an interactive episode. Oh, really? Called Attack of the Grask. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, it was on yeah. the red button and so on. Um, and then they, when it finished, they, um, I think they put it on the Doctor Who website as an interactive uh, episode that you could... Yeah, I don't know. If it's I, still vague, on the I vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah but that was written by Gareth Roberts as well. Oh, okay, was it, but it wasn't set in the school. No. Oh. <laughs> no more schools. No more schools. No. Yeah. 
Uh, did you like the little nod to some other Who stuff in this? So when Sarah Jane's walking behind them up the corridor, she's like, thanks, Brig. Yes. Yep, closes the phone and then Clive's like... Unit will saw that out. Yeah, and she's like, yeah. Clive's like, what's a unit then? So we get that nice little nod in oh, there. Oh, he, he gets a good line. What does he say? He's like, um, so it's a bit like, what's a unit, a furniture store? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was quite funny. Yeah. So these that that little scene there, just that little bit where Sarah Janes gets off the phone, she's like, cheers, Brig. And they mention yeah. unit and that's that little bit there. Yeah. That Those are the little bits that were missing from class. Oh, God. in abundance. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. So... You know how we've—I know that we've bashed class endlessly now, but I—I yeah. I, I really feel like if they'd have just included more little bits like that, mm. and not just because it was a bit like cracking an egg with a nuclear bomb, you know, it was like let's get Capaldi in for this sort of mega cameo, yeah, and then we're not going to even mention Doctor Who for the entire series, you know, just they should have just done away with a cameo, but just have these little nuggets in each story. That mm. sort of linked the two worlds properly together. It would have been a bit more coherent, but yeah. It's actually, I've just thought of another little nod as well because we see our favourite RTD's favourite newsreader, don't we? That oh, American yeah. lady. She pops up, and I'm like, oh, it's her. You know, a very, you know, again, just a little tiny little thing, mm -hmm. just to bring it back into the same universe. Um, I, th I thought they might have given her a name by now, but she's just <laughs> credited as American newsreader. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. But I love it when she pops up because I'm like, oh, here she is. <laughs> you know, just to just to help the story along, giving us a little update. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I know what you mean. It's good to have those little nods. It is. Yeah. You know. Anything you want to mention before we get our scores done and and dusted? No, I think we've covered it. I like um I want to get myself a sonic lipstick. <laughs> for the handbag, of course. Yeah, for the handbag, of course, because yeah. uh, it does save the day. Um, mm. But no, no, I, I think we've pretty much covered it, mate. I, I just thought it was, yeah, it was a fun watch. Enjoyed it. I like the theme for Sarah Jane Adventures. Yeah, I bet you were humming it after you turned the DVD off as well, because yeah. I was. Yeah. Yeah, I was cooking and going. Doodle -doodle yeah. It does yeah. have that more uh, sort of younger audience feel to it. Mm. Um, but I, I don't know. It just it does set you up for like a cool adventure about to begin. It's it does, and it's way, got yeah. the sting, isn't it? It's got an intro sting and an outro sting that yeah. takes you into it, like yeah. Doctor Who. I love that. Yeah, it's good. Right, I think it's my turn to go first. On then. Uh, and I'm going to give this one. I'm going to give this one another seven. Mm -hmm. Same for the invasion of the bane. I think it's. Uh, yeah, it's not, I can't score it any higher for it to be like sort of classic, you know, or you know, instant modern classic episode or anything. But I think it's definitely an enjoyable watch. A bit more childlike, but still entertaining and a, and a good watch. Mm -hmm. Seven, eh? Um, I'm giving it a seven as well. Because okay. I, abs I absolutely agree. I thought it was uh, um, just as enjoyable no more, no less than the Invasion of the Bane. I think it's just two very, I could quite happily put it back on now and just have it on in the background it's just a fun enjoyable watch so yeah seven for me good yes good. Uh, <laughs> right what did our lovely listeners think we got an audio clip in this week yay because uh, as you guys know if you've been uh, keeping up on twitter and facebook we've opened up the um the audio clips again so this is um from lewis palmer Hello to the Baby Box podcast. So, Revenge of the Celine, probably the most childish episode of the Savage Jane Adventures. 
ever. It's uh, it's it's all very fun and uh, and over the top. Turn off the sun, you know. It's it's all very good. The Slitheen I actually think work better in the Sarah Jane Adventures than they do in Doctor Who. They work better in that childish setting. Uh, it's just the school setting is a lot of fun. It's nice to be introduced to Clyde, who will now be in every episode of the Sarah Jane Adventures until the final one. Um, yeah, what more is there to say? It's just a fun story. Not one of the best of the show, as I say, probably the most childish. But it's a fun, proper intro for the show after Invasion of the Bane. We get to see Sarah Jane becoming more accustomed to her role as Luke's mother. Yeah, it's just it's all very fun and and kiddy and silly and nice. And uh, I I I do enjoy this uh, this story. So uh, I'll probably give it a seven out of ten. See you next time, guys. Seven. Cheers, Lewis. Another seven there. Seven. Seven. Yes. Okay, let's see what our Twitter friends thought on the old poll. Uh, 87 likey. 87, that's good. Yeah, 13% said stinky. Oh. Only a few there, so that's overall pretty good. Yeah. Uh, we had some thoughts on Twitter as well. Cindy Lou Hoovian said it's quite enjoyable. In some ways, a light version of School Reunion. Yeah. Yeah, it says Clyde yeah. is an excellent addition to the team, much better than the annoying Kelsey from the pilot. If memory <laughs> serves, we also get an, an ominous hint that Mr. that Mr. Smith is not what he seems. Oh yeah, there is there is something there. Yeah. Hmm. There is, isn't there? There's something. Yeah. Silent Nerd C one three seven says, um it's the introduction to uh favourite character in SGA, which is Clyde Langer. Oh. Always a pleasure uh, to see Araxacora Palapatorian Falapatorian. Uh, they are hugely underrated species and I love them and I still want them to return to who? Eight out oh. of ten. Oh, eight out of ten. That's good. Yeah, Dan the Man in a big red van <laughs> says one of my favourite SJ episodes as it was one of oh. my first ones. Ah. I read you. Yeah. I read you. Uh, Rotide says a brilliant SJ episode. I love the whole scheme the Slavine had. It really worked and it was a great episode uh, and a great intro to one of my favourite characters, Clyde. Another mm. Clyde fan. A lot of love for Clyde. Yeah, I yeah. loved how the Slavine treated one another. I found it funny. They had a good job in appealing to a younger audience. I also love how we see both Sarah Jane and Luke develop as characters and Sarah Jane not comfortable with being called mum, which is something I love. Overall, an amazing episode. 9.98 out of 10. Very nice. TARDIS Files HQ says, a great story, but ruined by the over-the-top performances by some characters. But aside from that, you've still got great performances by the main cast and a cracking little story, 7.5. And lastly on Twitter, Morgan Gallifrey-Huvian says, an excellent episode, nice introduction to Clyde Langer. Seeing the Slovene again was a real treat for me as they're some of my fave 2005-plus monsters. It could have done without the farting being so prominent every minute, though. Mm. It gives it a precise 7.6. Very precise. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Sammy Satine from Down Under says, so... Hello, Sammy. Our Raxacora Falapatorian farting green alien friends are back. I kind of miss them. Yes, they were never the scariest, but they look pretty frightening, and their plans like this one were pretty elaborate, but it was... Uh, uh, or much, uh, much always destroy the earth for profit. Luckily, we can just thwart them with some vinegar. Yeah, I give it seven vinegar bottles out of ten. <laughs> I love it. Over on Facebook, Luke Allen says, "I have a recent but interesting story about this one, which I leave in Ooh. place of my review." 
Okay. I have a three-year-old cousin who will rarely sit down and watch anything quietly, like many his age. He was in my bedroom while looking after him, and he came across my cabinet of Doctor Who figures and the Stathene figure. He started asking me questions about it. Is it scary? Is it funny? Etc. And then finally, the words every Whovian wants to hear. Can you put it on the TV? Yay! So I went downstairs, asked my aunt's permission, and we put it on. He was very quiet all the way through and seemed to understand it. Other than the fact that the character is called Luke, so he thinks it's me. Uh, <laughs> now, when he comes to our house, he passes me the remote and says, can you put the Stathene on? Oh. Hope this isn't too long. And you can read it out instead of my review. Of course, Luke, that's a really cool little story. I love that. I absolutely love that. How cool. Yeah, brilliant. Yes. A nice way to get um, your little cousin into who. Because yeah. I imagine as he grows older and you spend more time with him, that'll be like your thing. Like, let's watch who. Yeah. Because of the cool aliens. Nice one. That's brilliant. Uh, Jamie Ackerley says, it's a triumph. Oh. The story itself is so perfectly contained. None of the recent era timey-wimey shenanigans. Uh, you get just one clear, well-told adventure. The Slovene work much better here with the child-friendly tone. Relationship between uh, Sarah Jane and Luke is handled well. Both not sure how to establish their new roles with each other. Sweet, simple and cheerful. Great stuff. Eight out of ten. Awesome. Yeah, I agree, agree with that, Jamie. Uh, Lewis Blackmore says, a continuation of the fantastic work done reintroducing her character in School Reunion, Invasion of the Bane. This story tells, um, really does start SJA uh, series off with a bang. Uh, Liz Sladen is at her very best among some stellar work from the sporting cast. However, this does fall into the trap of being too comical at times, but mm. that is understandable as it's only just a beginning to find its feet. 7.5. Cool. Dean Jones just watched this story for the first time. And it's not as good as the previous story, but still fairly decent. Uh, Liz Sladen is excellent as ever, um, with the Sarah and Luke relationship being really sweet. Maria is still a likeable protagonist, and Clyde was a decent addition. Seven out of ten. Sir Jacob Burtwistle, tricky one. While I like the overall story, I can't help but feel this is why the Slavine never returned in Doctor Who, uh, because SJA made them unscary. And that's a word I like and if that's a word, I like Clyde's introduction in this, although he does seem a little cringy. And of course, uh, Elizabeth steals the show. Seven out of ten. Okay. Joseph mm -hmm. Howarth. This show continues to get better and better every day because it's an enjoyable watch. Maria and Luke are still on top form and Clyde is way better than Kelsey um, as he's a lot more down to earth, more relatable. Uh, Sarah Jane and co are discussing about what they should do to stop the Zathene. He comes up with the little gem. We bomb the school. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, he had been stitches with that. Uh, as for the Zathene, uh, they are another story altogether. On one hand, I didn't really like them uh, seriously in Doctor Who, and it's pretty much the same here in this episode. Uh, indifferent, and they got way too cartoony in this. Uh, when they already were kind of cartoony to begin with. Uh, sorry, guys, I just don't believe that they are menacing at all. Oh, okay. That's cool. Uh, it goes on to give it a 7.5, George Puddy. So, Revenge of the Slothene. I didn't enjoy this one. <gasps> George! Uh, the Slothene are so stupid and hammy that you, could, you couldn't make 12 ham sandwiches for each person in London for each day 13 months. <laughs> they were just not threatening and really cringy. The main cast were fine. Clyde is a nice addition, 
but this episode made me think that this is a kid's show more than any other. I give it a two out of ten. Oh, Mr. Puddy. Stick with it, it, mate. Stick with it. Yeah. Miles McKenzie. Overall, a strong, decent story. I if uh, feeling a little dated to me. The cast were great and a good introduction. I love how we had a Who monster in it to create the strong link. The baby Slovene got on my nerves, though. Overall, Aww. 7 out of 10. I love the baby Slovene. Yeah. Jason Thayer, Sarah Jane ruined the Slovene. They oh. stopped being scary once you realise kids could defeat them. And lastly, Luke mm. East, very short and sweet, just says, great to see the Slovene back on our screens. Yeah, I think so. There we go. Mm. Uh, do you have a couple over on the Geek's Handbag? Yeah, I had a couple, yeah. So Patrick Sherwood just uh, thinks it's an okay episode, but not one of the best, and gives it an 8 out of 10. Zach Jenkins says it's a decent enough story, and it's good to see the Slovene again. He gives it 7 out of 10, same as us. And Charlie Turner says, a good episode, but two nitpicks, and I would consider them big. Number one, I don't like how every episode of the series after Invasion of the Bane was a two-parter. He says uh, it's a spin-off. It's not Doctor Who. Number two, the title. Calling it the story of Avengers Slovene sounds like Sarah Jane had encountered the Slovene before. But as I can tell, <laughs> as far as he can tell, uh, she hasn't. So um, he finds it a bit of an odd title, basically. Uh, so it's preferred them in the series rather than Doctor Who, surprisingly. And he gives it an 8 out of 10. So he still thinks it's quite good, but okay. it's got a few issues with... Um, with the title and the fact that all the Sarah Janes are a two-parter. Thing is, though, I don't mind their two-parters because they're still only 50 minutes, even if you watch them back-to-back. So, yeah. you know, I, I, that's which is what I do. But, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. I'll take your point, though, Charlie. Yeah. Cool, cool. That's it for Geek Sound, Nice one. So I yeah. would say overall, then, fairly positive on that. There's a few clangers in there. But you can't please everyone. No, exactly, mate. You know, you're not going to please every Who fan. Ever. That's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. And I like the fact that so far these first two episodes have been a seven, so which because I, I consider seven consistent. Um, yes. It's not yeah. bad. It's not amazing. It's just good. So I'm really sort of keen to see how the scores go with this Sarah Jane series and Torchwood. But hmm. so far we're consistent, aren't we? Yes, we are. Yeah. Next week, Classic Who. What we got? Classic Who, bit of fourth Doctor Tom Baker, the, ma- the mask of man mandragora <laughs> i knew i wasn't gonna be able to say it. is that right the mask of mandragora that's it yeah yeah, yeah. it's because for years i called it mandragora and i have no idea why <laughs> anyway there you go fourth doctor next week yeah coincidentally mm. not on purpose that's a fourth doctor and sarah jane story yes yeah little four-parter from the 70s right Raxacora corophalopatorius. Talking of pronunciations, I'm still trying to say that. Raxacora corophalopatorius. There you go. Is that it? Raxacorophalopatorius. <laughs> yeah. 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 So anyway, yeah, sorry, I just had it in front of me. But yeah, fourth doctor next week, that'd be cool. Sarah Jane. Yeah. And um, what's in that one? Things with big silver, no, things with big gold masks. Port Merion. Yep, Helix Energy. Helix Energy, yeah. yeah. Uh, hmm. I think it's set in Italy, isn't it? Some of it. Yeah, I was going to say it's filmed in Port Merion, isn't it? I yeah. remember. Yes. Prisoner territory. Yeah, be cool. Yeah. Quite an intricate story that one. Quite a long lot of stuff going on. Yeah. So that'll be good to uh, to watch that one again. And I think we'll do there for one eight six. Okay. <laughs> 
thank you, thank you so much for sticking with us and listening to 185. It's been very cool to finally have some news, even if it's just a little bit. And thank you all so much uh, for giving us your reviews and thoughts on Sarah Jane, Revenge of the Slovene. And thank you, Lewis, for your audio review. So just a quick reminder to everyone else, the audio reviews are open. You can send them in. We'll play them out on the show for you. But the usual rules apply, and we will be stricter this time. So <laughs> it can't be longer than one minute. Can't be longer than a minute. If it's longer than a minute, it won't get played. Simple as. Simple as that. Yes. <laughs> so thank you very much for that. So yeah, get um, the Mask of Mandragora watch. We want your reviews and stuff on that. Uh, you can send your reviews in. Just watch out for the posts that go out on Facebook and Twitter on a Monday. Um, or you can email them in or whatever you want to do. We welcome it all. Yes. Yes, our fan community. It's very, very cool. In the meantime, though, head over to the website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our previous shows on there. Plus, you can link off to all of the podcast networks uh, and all of the social networks. Um, so you give us a like and a subscribe and a follow and all that stuff. Um, and if you've got, if you listen to any podcasts on your phone or iPad or computer or whatever, just do a search for us in whatever app you use. So, um, yeah, just do a search for Big Blue Box Podcast. We're on Spotify as well, Google Music, the whole lot. Just do a search and you'll find us on there. And if you're an iTunes listener, if you could give us a, a review and a rating, that would be awesome because that really helps us um, on there. Also head out to YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff for Adam's channel. The Geek's Handbag. Oh, the Geek's Handbag, yeah. Yeah, go and have a look at the special weapons Dalek. He's awesome, isn't he? That's very cool. We've both got him. He's yeah. lovely. So, yeah, give Adam a subscribe and over mm. on YouTube and plus all the social stuff. Loads of stuff over there, which is uh, will satisfy your geek viewing for a couple of hours. Some great yeah. stuff there. So next week, 186, Mask of Mandragora. Looking forward to that one. Just a quick reminder again, audio reviews are open get those recorded and into us and we'll play them on the show so until then my name's gary my name's adam and remember <gasps> and... And...